Welcome to episode 23 of the Worldwide Weebs. This is the Red Leaf Retrocast. And we're joined here today with a very special guest, Becom, from the podcast Nerdum and Other Nonsense. Welcome, Becom. Hey, JD. How's it going? Oh, man. I, I have been excited for this cast episode for about a month now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, how, that's how long this has been in the making. But before we get to what we're going to cover on the cast... I am joined here today by possibly one of the greatest Norwegian podcasters there out there. That is my friend Tori. How you doing today? I'm doing good. I was a little bit disappointed at the beginning because I thought I was your special guest, but you saved me. <laughs> uh, it's okay. We can all be special. <laughs> my mom says I'm special. Oh. Well, the doctor as well, but we can talk about it. <laughs> but Becom, I have found possibly your long lost friend. Oh, really? Yes, he is from Brazil. He oh, is my wow. buddy Hickey, a fellow Uma Musume <laughs> fan. Oh, yo, join I mean, the stable, my friend. Don't make fun. <laughs> yeah, don't don't make fun of my horse girls, or else I'm gonna go to Rhode Island and beat your ass. <laughs> to say, trust him. He's a I've been waiting this game. I've been waiting this shit since 2016. I am invested in this. I cannot go back anymore. <laughs> It's too late. You're you're too far in. Yeah, you got the the, can, the carrots have been have been metaphorically dangled in front of your face for years. <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna happen the same thing that happened with Idol Jihan, where the game will release in four months. No one will play, and in six months it will be dead, mm. just like Idol incidents. <laughs> oh, well, today we have a very special podcast. We're discussing and reviewing uh, not only just the original Pat Labor OVA series, the seven episodes, we're also discussing movie one and movie two together. Uh, you might say they amount to one singular TV show in the modern era. Uh, this, was a, this was an anime that our special guest, Becom, wanted to be involved with, so thank you. Uh, I got to rewatch a lot of Pat Labor myself, and... Finally watched the second movie, which I have put off long enough. It was too a long, long time coming. Way too long. I had also been putting all of this off for way too long, so I'm glad I finally got around to it. Yeah, we got uh, we got our usual uh, quest update from Tori. Very excited what he's going to discuss there over the show uh, Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. That'll be fun to discuss. We also got Netflix original anime to discuss, uh, since that's been a... a Big boost in the anime community in 2018 with such shows as Devilman Crybaby and what have you. Uh, there's also been a heavy-duty mobile game that has come out, or browser game, better put, that Tori and Hickey are both going to uh, become. They're going to basically school us on what we should and should not be playing. Great. Uh, that would be the Idol Master game. They'll have more information on that. And then from there on, yes. uh, that's when we'll run down to Pat Labor. So, become. This would be a good time for you to plug your show, who and what you're all about. Okay, my podcast away. is Nerdum and Other Nonsense. It's a sort of bi-weekly anime podcast. Uh, what separates it from other anime podcasts is that we pick 10 shows at the beginning of each season, and then we just run them down episode by episode every two weeks. So we cover two episodes a week. We keep up to date as much as we can with the entire season going on. Uh, and at the beginning and end of every season, we do like like impressions and uh, wrap up finale casts where we give our like final scores and everything. 
mm-hmm. but yeah, we just put out our spring impressions cast, uh, so you can go look for that. Um, Excellent. But yeah. And is it is your cast available on iTunes, Google Play, all, all yes. those special and, places? Anywhere, uh, probably except for Spotify. I haven't figured that one out yet. But yeah, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, uh, um, and on Twitter at Nerdim and Other if you want to come find me. There you go. I tend to just uh, tag Become himself. <laughs> yeah, that too. That works at Become at Become thirty three. There you go. Uh, this would be a good opportunity now to say that we are live streaming on Twitch, YouTube, and Mixer at BullingJD and Moosenspiel. That's my own personal YouTube page. You can find every past podcast episode on there. We will now be doing the live streaming. Hopefully this goes a lot better than the uh, inaugural episode, you might say. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, lot, lot, of, lot of technical issues uh, that spot up, but hopefully this is much better. The, hardware's, the new hardware has been figured out. Um, this is a brand new era in the Redleaf Retrocast. I'm excited for what's in store for us. Uh, but again, you can find that at Bowling JD Mixer and Twitch. And uh, Hickey put it on to um, <laughs> put it into my perspective that I was one of the top tw- <laughs> streamers on Mixer yesterday with one viewer. <laughs> Good job, you did it. Yeah, man, Good top ten right here. <laughs> Mixer's really going to take down Twitch someday. Someday. (laughs) Microsoft knows what it's doing all the time. (laughs) Uh, But why don't we we go into, uh, Tori, your quest update. I want to get right into this. This is is something that I've been excited for for weeks, and probably a lot of our listeners, too. Got it. But okay. (laughs) Well, uh, so yeah, I've basically gotten uh, to... uh... Where am I right now on my quest? Yes, I'm on uh, 2004. And for 2004, I decided to watch Beck, Mongolian Chop Squad. Um, Just kind of a little bit of background. Uh, As Beck is a show, a music anime that I've been wanting to watch for a long time. I've heard a lot of people, from a lot of people say it's like, it's the, you know, it's an anime version of the band experience. And as someone who has been in two bands uh, when I was younger, uh, you know, I was like, sure, that sounds like my kind of thing band was fun you know apart from the times it wasn't fun but <laughs> apart from all the arguing and uh beating of beating of ass and whatnot but okay there wasn't that much of that but you know you get the point uh so yeah there wasn't there wasn't a lot of anime uh beck uh band bullying in norway there wasn't a lot of swearing and pulling guns on people and having music artists killed and we'd never sold twenty thousand cds and none of that so you know <laughs> Not... You weren't channeling your inner Nirvana enough then. No, I know. So, you know, I couldn't <laughs> quite relate to Beck, but... <laughs> <laughs> but still, like, there are part, absolutely parts of this that I can can relate to, and it's it's a lot of fun. It absolutely is the band experience. So, in Beck, we follow a 14-year-old uh, boy named uh, Yuki Otanaka, or Koyuki, and... Um, Basically, he is, you know, he's your typical anime protagonist with no goals in life and just wandering through life and with nothing to do when he gets bullied and beaten up. Uh, and, uh, but basically, he, one day he ends up saving a weird-looking dog uh, from a couple of bullies that wants to kill it because, you know, there's a Japan and kids want to kill dogs. Uh... So, yeah, you see that in anime quite a lot. A lot of animal beatings going on. Yeah. This dog is quite weird, though. It looks like it's stitched together of multiple parts. So, uh... Oh, I do remember that. You know. Uh, and the, But he ends up saving this dog, and the dog gets mad at him and wants to bite him. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he does not pull with people, and he does not pull with animals either. But a, uh, 
the dog's owner ends up showing up, and his name is uh, Yusuke Minami, or Ray, as they often call him. And uh, sure. tells him that, you know, the dog's name is Beck, and basically they get acquainted with each other. And uh, that's kind of how this whole thing starts, because uh, Ray, he is a, um, like, half-American, half-Japanese uh, half boy. Well, mostly Japanese, but the, his family's been to America at least, uh, and they are, seem to be quite fond of the... Uh, Quite fond of that. So he um, he's he's not very good in Japanese. He speaks a lot in English. Well, English. Uh, him and his family, whatnot. And he's very much into like popular rock mu uh, musicians, uh, especially American and British rock. Uh, and he's in a band. And kind of Koyuki gets dragged into this. Not dragged into it, but like he gets curious about this. Uh, the whole music scene. So. They end up hanging out, like uh, it's a uh, childhood sweetheart, and they end up hanging together, hanging out again. And she also gets interested in this, so kind of everything mm -hmm. just turns into the, him like wanting to learn more about this this guy who's in a band, and you know, then they end up forming a band. And well, doesn't eventually... it also like bring about finally a passion he finds in life? Yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, it takes a while, but like. He has moments like where when he first gets gets his guitar and tries to play it, and then of course he ends up smashing it like first thing. The first thing he does okay. is like the first thing he does literally gets a guitar. Like Ray lends uh, Koyuki a guitar and he's like, "Yay, I'm so excited!" Runs down with it, drops it off a bridge, and a get ran over by a truck, and is like, "Wow!" <laughs> yeah, he doesn't just scratch it or accidentally break the arm. No, it gets it gets destroyed. Oh, it's <laughs> like it's just like wow, you own that guitar for like five minutes. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on. That didn't, like, you didn't even get to play it, like, once. But alright. So, yeah. And he ends up running into other people. He ends up running into an ex-Olympic ex uh, gold medalist swimmer who mm -hmm. both teaches him how to swim and ends up being uh, his guitar teacher. A guy who's very much into British, uh, old <laughs> British rock. Right. Wants nothing else. And kind of just, he kind of, he kind of gets to experience the music life. And, yeah, as you said, it kind of ignites a passion within him that this is what I want to do. And it turns out that Koyuki is actually a very good singer. And he gains a lot it's of people's attention. very good at his for English that. singing. <laughs> well, yeah. Full Moon Sway and all that. Uh, but yeah, no, like... Basically, like I said, it's it's the band experience. You get the... You get just a bunch of weird people who get together and they with only one thing in common, and that is that you really like music. And... Other than that, mm -hmm. maybe not necessarily share that many passions and all the things that come around with it, like the fucking constant arguing because people don't agree with each other like they never do in a band because no one can ever make a decision without somebody getting fed up. That's how Ray ends up separating from his band because they're two geniuses. They're two genius guitarists in his first band and they do not see eye to eye. They fight each other constantly. So... Yeah, yeah, you always see that in like documentaries with bands. They never seem to get along. That's how a band like Genesis broke up back in the day. Yeah, it's the it's like unwritten music rule. You cannot have yeah. two genius musicians in one band. It just it never works. Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel are too are too much contained, not on their own. <laughs> uh, yeah, nah, it it doesn't work. But yeah, not nah, like you basically just get to see how they form a band and how they go about go about performing their band duties. And yes. Getting a passion in life, kind of getting a focus, and of course going out in the scary parts, like you know, realizing that what do you want to do with your life, and it's like Koyuki ends up uh, leaving school, for example, later mm -hmm. on in the series because he wants to pursue music, and then the band breaks up. But you know, it's 
it's a very interesting show. Uh, I will say the ending is a bit. It ends. It ends pre- prematurely, I would say. Like it doesn't. It's kind of like you know, with the opening and everything, I was made to hit in America, and then it's kind of sure. like we're going to America. The end. It's like yeah, I wanted to ask you like did the, did the ending totally hurt the show or was it just kind of a disappointing way to end it? It's a disappointing way to end it. Like I will say it it doesn't hurt the show like because it doesn't undermine what the show has done so far. Right, the journey matters more. Yeah, but it's situation. kind of, it's still kind of uh like it's a it leaves you with a bitter uh, like a a bitter taste in your mouth because like that final episode it's like you basically get the entire thing like they finally go to America and then it's like you everything you see is told to you through like uh, Koyuki and uh, yeah it's uh, like a Ray's, picture slideshow yeah and Ray's sister yeah. Maho uh, they're talking together uh, like oh, while well, they're kind of going through the pictures and then they kind of get to like one of the concerts they go they go to but then it's like all you see is like the establishment that they played at like a live action photo of the establishment yeah. that they supposedly played at and then. They just talk over that, and that's like the last ten minutes of the episode. It's like, eh, it it basically just feels like I didn't have time to make the final episode. <laughs> yeah, become. Have you seen Beck? I unfortunately have not. It's like on my list of shame because I love music anime. So I wow, need especially to see with it. the community that we're in, that seemed that that that's <laughs> always seems to be right? at like the top of the list. You know, I yeah. wouldn't say it's surprising. I'm very much the same way. I've meant to watch Beck for years. I just never did. Yeah. I will get to it eventually. Icky, what, what about yourself? We'll, you, we'll you're, you're, the, you're the self-proclaimed king of weebs with your thousand anime watched. What's uh, what's your wow. take on it? Uh, I, it was one of the first animes I, I actually watched. I remember being really good. I was, I'm not very interested in music itself, but the journey of the main character is very interesting in this show because he starts as your average main character like Tori said he doesn't know what to do with his life he doesn't have any talent at all right he's just cruising through life and then he discovers this passion and it's not only about him getting good him getting to point a to point b being a someone who doesn't know what to do with his life to this very good guitarist and singer mm-hmm. but but also the recognition he gets because when he starts uh Ray, doesn't recognize him as a, a good musician until the very end when they when he can finally join the band yeah like they do the band and, and they he can finally join it uh, and there's also an incident before he joins uh, so like the, the journey the journey is kind of the focus of the of the anime not much the music right although it, it is also a, a big part. So that's why the the ending is also a little bit underwhel- underwhelming mm-hmm. because the journey ends as a sl- at a slide presentation. <laughs> so nah, it was kind of it was kind of bad. It doesn't ruin run like doesn't ruin the show at all. Uh, doesn't hurt the show. It is just a little bit underwhelming. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you can have a lot of fun with the journey. The thing is, though, like I mean, he doesn't join the band at the end, but like he he joins it at like before the halfway stage, but. Like it's not just that; it's kind of the same. It's like the smaller things as well. Uh, Koiki had like no friend. Well, he had one friend, like, but that guy's a piece of that guy's a piece of shit. Uh, so <laughs> no, I, t- no, tell me how you really feel about him. <laughs> no, I mean he really, he really is. Like he just like he was nothing to do. He really doesn't want anything to do with Koyuki. 
that much. It's just that he doesn't have friends of his own, so they can't just hang out. But uh, the moment, you know, one of the bullies turns on Koyuki, and he's just like, oh, fuck you, you're on your own. I don't, I don't want to be unpopular with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like, and right. if, you know, it doesn't help that he looks like fucking Professor Oak from Pokemon as well, with his goddamn sh- shaved sides. <laughs> he looks like an old man. It's, it's weird. But yeah, and then, yeah, you know. He looks like the guy from Initial D. Yeah. And you see, you see Koyuki, like, gain friends, right? Friend, uh, friends that are willing to help him out. It's like, I remember, you know, I remember meeting Chiba for the first time. That's the rapper, uh, rapper slash vocalist for the band. Oh, yeah, and he's he cool. Up, I liked his character. I know, right? But at first, he seems like such a fucking asshole. He's lazy. He doesn't do anything. He just goes around right. and tells Ray, you owe me money, bitch. And it's like, he seems like such a rude dude. <laughs> that he seems like such a fucking rude dude. Like, I mean, obviously, if he owes the money, you should pay him back. That's not it. But, like... Rude uh, dude. Yep, he seems like, like a that. rude dude. And, uh... <laughs> but Rolls off the tongue. Then you have, like, one of the, uh, one of, like, bullies that is picking on Koyuki. And he's like, I'm gonna beat your ass. And, you know, they... Uh, before he gets the chance, they find him. And Chiba finds him. And Chiba runs to his rescue. Chiba also has a black belt in karate. Uh, karate so it's like... He can actually oh, yeah, take on does. this dude. And it's like, you know, that's a new experience for Koyuki. He's never had somebody stick up for him before because he hasn't had friends. <laughs> right. What, okay, so I got, a, I got a few questions here for you then, Tori. Sure. Uh, is this the best music-type anime that you've seen? Uh, when you say music-type anime, then I'm going to have to like say music-centric no. Like music-centric Faust, like this. Like no, I know. Like making a band in type I know, but hear, hear me out. I would say Beck is probably the best the best uh, anime I've seen that has music as its main focus. Like it's in the main, it's in the main front. Yes, it's got other things, but this is about. Would you say it's better than music. Love Live? Way better than Love Live. <laughs> <laughs> but like, oh, my heart. However, however, oh, that. Oh, however, just let me get. Everything is better than Love Live. Yeah. <laughs> but just, just let me get Why this out as well. Why would you even ask that? Let me get this. There is one show that also has music in it, though. It's still a very key point, but. I would argue that's probably still a bit less. There's a lot of, a lot of other uh, more important issues in that show, in my opinion, than music itself. And that is Nana. And that is... Mm. So I was like, Ooh. that's why I'm saying, saying this. Like, Ooh. I think Nana is... I would I like Nana more than Beck. I do as but well. For di- but for different reasons. <laughs> I like the music in Nana as well, of course. It, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. The music in Nana is fucking fantastic. And I'm sad that none of the people that did the music for Nana is actually working in the music industry anymore. <laughs> oh, that's a sad. Yeah, that's sad news. I, I mean, didn't know that the the girl the girl who's like the singer for Nana. She is a uh, she's an actress, and she mm-hmm. so she is doing that. And like the other one, the other one, the one who's like uh, I don't remember her name right now, but she like half Australian girl. She is now a sculpture in America. So oh, huh. yeah. So this show does a lot of mixing English and Japanese, uh, especially with the singing. <sighs> Yeah. Uh, how does it handle that and sub or dub then in that sense? I mean, I see your, so many people say that you should listen to the dub because the dub gets the English lyrics better. And I would have to say, I mean, obviously, yes, they speak English, but it doesn't take away from me from the fact that they, they, that it's in English because like, I mean, you're not kind of remember, they're not pretending to being to be American. Right. They are, they are Japanese. They know they speak, uh, they speak English weird. It's one of the points. It's one of the things. Was like when Koyuki wants to go to, Amer- or when Koyuki's actually going to go to America at the end. Mao comes up and is like, "How the fuck are you going to make it in America? You cannot even pronounce a single word correctly." 
<laughs> right? So it's like, it's a point that they can't speak English. So it's like, I don't know, I feel like it's disingenuous to show the, uh, to the show to kind of remove that element. Even though, yes, it's not that prevalent. Mm-hmm. It's not the main focus, but, you know, it's one of those things it's like, it bothers me that people want it gone. It's like, oh, they should have got people. I mean, you have the other, like, you have the other people in the fucking show, you know. A lot of the other ones that come out, the quote-unquote Americans that come there that fucking that run the music industry and the fucking thugs that they meet in the street, they speak American. Most of them speak American pretty damn good. <laughs> because they are. Their voice, their voice acting can be questionable, but, you know, it's kind of funny just uh, like fucking uh, one of like, the major record, la- record label dude, his bodyguard coming in every time he wants to swear, he's like really leaning it. It's like, this motherfucker. It's like, oh, dude, he really leans into that swear. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So Engli- while, English, while we, uh... like English, can I can I speak, please? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> English is just bad when you have a native speaker speaking English, like the psychopath movie. That thing is horrible. <laughs> that thing is just horrible. Uh, but when it's a Japanese, well, they don't know how to speak the. The, the language pattern is just too different. So it makes sense. Of course, you have instances like Goroku no Basket and English, which is just horrible, but back is not that bad. No. The back English is it's not that bad. Yeah, no, like, I mean, it makes sense that he, he can pronounce and it's not as bad as could be. Yeah, I think the worst instance in back is just kind of one, one of the song, which is like the one I say, uh, Full Moon Sway. So it's like, what is it? I couldn't let myself to go. It's like, mm. <laughs> like that. That's that's a bit annoying because that's just like, wow. Now you're just like, now you're really off the deep end grammatically as well. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's like that, that's once. Although well, they do me, sing that song. Follow me is good with the with the accent. Yeah. Well, alrighty. Uh, well, moving on. We got uh, you between the two of you, Hickey and Tori, and Becom. You're an Idolmaster fan yourself. I am. Uh, I know this is a topic you guys, in particular, wanted to talk about, and this it's this crazy new browser mobile game or what have you over Idolmaster. Like, what is it? What's the name? How do we how do we play it? Like, well, well, one of you guys take it away. Why don't Hickey take it away? Yeah, Idolmaster. Uh, it's a new game. It's a browser slash ga- uh, mobile game called Idol Master Shiny Colors. And what it is, it is a idol raising game with a skill check mini game on the lives. What what it does is it brings back the OG Idol Master mechanics because people grew used in modern time with the rhythm games, especially with the mobile rhythm games and the all stars. Of favorite songs, Idol Master compilations for the PS4, uh, but this game it fall like it it kind of is just like the OG uh, Idol Master for the for arcade and Xbox original. Uh, basically, you are a producer and your task is find an idol and make her become a top idol. Okay. For that, you need to uh, at we, uh, each season, uh, which are bas- basically eight moves you have, you need to train her, make some jobs, and gather fans. You need to have a certain amount of fans, or else you're going to fail, you're going to ruin her life and her career, and she's going to retire. That is basically <laughs> the game. The world, the world is cruel, and like it is bad because the, 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 the manager of Tsubasa Production, which is the, the company you work, 
tells the secretary, he doesn't even look at your face. He tells the secretary, the secretary breaks the news for you and you need to break the news for the idol. Oh, and that is heartbreaking. <laughs> Every single time, it's like, sorry, you failed. And she's like, well, it was fun. I had fun. It's like, no, no. You are it, just because I'm an incompetent fool, I fuck your life, but I'll try again. <laughs> uh, the problem with the game right now is it's kind of unbalanced. <laughs> kind of. And it is, it is high luck. You need a, a lot of luck to even do anything in that game. So it's like a gotcha game? It's not a gotcha game. It's just too damn hard. <laughs> uh, you need luck. You need... It is... It is you just bad at something uh, because you need to train and gather fans. What happens is in the first lives you do in the auditions, you actually go to a TV program. Uh, the easiest one you can do at the first level, which you would need a thousand fans. The first level, the first life will give you the thousand fans. You need like two hundred of ability and one hundred of health. You start with one hundred and fifty of skills and 50 of health so you can you can surpass it it's not that bad the other one 10,000 it is 400 so like it's double it is just fine you can get it you can surpass the other one with which is 50,000 it is 600 and you're gonna barely make it on the other one which is 100,000 it is 900 and you cannot make it you simply cannot achieve that. You can achieve the health, you cannot achieve the skill. Yep. So you need to rely on the support idols. The problem is, when you surpass the 1000, you're gonna get to the semi-finals of the win concert, which is the main objective of the game. Okay. Uh, the problem is they're gonna give, like they're gonna put you against the top idols of the time. So they have usually the double of your health and the double of skill. Is it so just idol master characters? Or is it also no? Like they're, they're new characters. They're new characters in the Idol Master franchise universe. Okay. All of them? Are Are there any girls from the original cast or from Cinderella Girls in no, this? No, they're not. They're not. They're all new. Okay. They're all new. <clears throat> you know, they're an all new new Idol Masters. Is that okay with um, you guys as fans? Yeah. Or would you prefer yeah. something yeah. Uh, going back to say the original series? I mean, no. Uh, not really. I. This is very close to the original series it doesn't have the rhythm game it has but it's the the mechanic of raising that the not the more modern games were lacking uh so it is good i know it's a spin-off so i don't in a spin-off i don't want the idols of the the original one mm -hmm. uh if i if i wanted the idols of the original one in a rhythm game i would play idol master million live theater days which has the Idols, you have new idols, you have original, the original idols, because the, basically the story of Million Live is the production company you worked with in Idol Master 1, Idol Master 2, and some other Idol Masters, it grew and it's one, it, it, it's one of the biggest ones now. So it has more idols. Yeah, I mean, I also only in also Japanese, have, correct? It is. Currently? It is. It is but solely I, in Japanese. I also, I also just, some uh, stuff. I also just have to say, like, one of the things that I look at when I look at Shining Calls is like, I wouldn't want the original original characters in this, and it's for like the well, it's not even a weird reason. When you look at the idol industry, 
The idol industry is like nothing but like getting in new talent, churning them, and spitting them back out. Right, that mm-hmm. that happens all the time. So it's kind of like that being with China because like it's a different game. There are different like so. I'm fine with having different yeah, characters. Diff- right? it, it is more difficult. Like, like I said, you can always just go back and play one of the other ones that has the original characters if you absolutely want them. <laughs> yeah, it is. Also, you cannot have the the experience with this. Uh, with the the original idols because if you if you can find the original game and you have an Xbox, well, play it. It is as traumatic as Shiny Colors. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee to you, I played the original game and I I went to produce Haruka and I failed and she had a concert and I started a new game and she wasn't there because she retired and I was tra- I was traumatized to life. <laughs> uh, this Jeez. game is. This game, this game is the same feeling. Like the, you go to an audition with your idol and you try to convince the critics. The critics will just attack you and say bad things about you. And if you <laughs> fail, it, they're just gonna say straight up retire because you're not, you don't have talent. Do any yeah. of them commit suicide? No. Oh my god, JD. <laughs> I hope not. But like, I I do hope not. But you know, shit is serious in that in that game. Um, well, isn't this supposed so to re- now, be, be realistic? Please don't let JD make an idol. <laughs> no, well, the, re- the realistic, the realistic. If you want, if you want realism in the idol industry, you're not gonna find it on anime. But I would advise watching Wake Up Girls instead of Idol Master. Oh, I was, first about, I was, about, to, I was about to think you were gonna say a hentai or something. Yeah, that too. No, because <laughs> in Wake Up Girls, Wake Up Girls has three seasons and two movies, if I'm not mistaken, and they're still trying to land small jobs. <laughs> because how hard it is to, be, to like to become an idol. Idol master usually they succeed, but they also show like subtle tones of how bad the idol industry is and how you need to be in shape and be a top idol. If you you don't need to be forgotten. If you, if you if if people forget you, you're done. Yeah. Uh, they show that in the idol master franchise games. Uh, they show that in the rhythm games of smartphone. They show that in the anime. Yeah, I like so the like, original. It is more subtle. I like the original Idol Master was like the first job they finally land when they get on that fucking weird like cooking reality show, and the camera guy is just constantly trying to pick up their skirts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yeah, you know that that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Beacon, does yeah, this sound like a game you'd be interested stuff. in? Yeah, actually, the... would be really interested in playing this. Um, I've always wanted to play like one of the original idol master games that's about the original cast because Same. i love the original idol master anime like i did not love idol anime going Shinobu into that it? show and then i watched it and i was like <laughs> i like idol anime but specifically that kind where it's like animated incredibly well yeah. uh and it's not cg animation like love lives garbage yeah, um, ooh, there's and, some smack talk for you. <laughs> and also, like, all of the girls had, like, interesting stories and motivations. And, like, they were all, like, professionals in some sense, like, trying to make it. As opposed to Love Live, where yeah. it's like, we're students and we want to save our school. Um, which I don't appreciate as much. <laughs> so, yeah. I would really yeah, like I to mean, play this cannot, game. You cannot out. say the Love Live girls are idols. They specifically say they are not idols. Yeah. <laughs> like in the second episode in the second episode of the first season of I, of Love Life, you can go there and say they they say, No, we're not we're not trying to be idols because being idols is very difficult. We're trying to be school idols, <laughs> which is kind of a yeah. made up easy thing. mode, I guess. 
It's the easy mode. They just want to see the sunshine. So like That's every <clears throat> Idol Master, Idol the anime is very good because they show the game mechanics really well. Mm. Uh, if you remember the in the original Idol Master Ritsuko, which is also a producer, she used to be an idol. Yeah. But what happened is in that game mode, someone like the producer who came in, he actually played before and fucked up Ritsuko's life. <laughs> That's what happens. That's why she says she's retired. Like she retired, and it shows the the concert she does at the retirement concert, which you also do in the in the game. Hmm. It's interesting, but this one, uh, it is very hard. I mean, it's been out for less than one week, so people are still trying to figure out the formula to win, and it it is very difficult. I'm trying to shit a lot of things. I'm I'm gonna make a <laughs> fucking spreadsheet and translate everything so i so get it makes easy on myself um you need vpn to play because bandai is a bitch and doesn't want foreigners to play what's that other like uh, huge browser game that a lot of is it concole yeah like, yeah collection Conkole. how is it how is it compared to that in some way or or another mm. uh, i think that I said before, I think right now, because people doesn't don't know how to actually play the game or which strategy you need to use or which combinations you need, and because the game is solely based on luck, you need a lot of luck. A shitload of luck. And even though you need a lot of luck, the game might just screw you over and you might die in every single thing you do. Well, even though, like, there was this one I like point, how you used I the word die. 4,000 <laughs> Basically, yeah, they do. I, Look, your yeah, heart they just, dies. They dude. just mind break. Oh, mind okay, break. just just metaphorically, they're bro- they're broken. Yeah, metaphorically <laughs> die because you have you have a life bar. It's a mental bar. Yeah, but you know, anyway. Uh, I had I need fifty thousand fans. I had forty six thousand. I went to two lives. The criticus the criticus attacked me every single round. They killed me. Like they they mind break my idol. Every single one of those. Well, like, dude, it's, 20, of them. it's 2018, man. You gotta metrics is all that matters these days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, but like it was funny because I had <laughs> 30 or 40 percent more health and stats than the other idols, but they still they only attacked me because I, I was on luck. Yep. So right now the game it feels like compared to Kankole, Kankole is a grinding simulator. Just to make it sure, a grind uh, simulator. Although I play it. <laughs> Yeah, okay. it is a grinding simulator, but I play the game. Uh, it is compared to some of the events they do sometimes, which you need share luck. It's not a skill, it's just RNG luck, and it's just a big punishment. Yes. It feels like you're being punished. Yeah, but... I that, mean, that, that is how it feels. With the, with the love... Uh, or, sorry, with the Idolmaster, uh, Shiny oh, Colors. don't you... No, don't I you know. Dare. With Shiny Colors... Um, you know, like, I mean, me and Hickey, we talked about this, but I see they're, they're going to be releasing the, uh, like, cards, uh, for the secretary. And, mm-hmm. uh, from what I, from what I've seen, I've seen people speculating, it seems like they're going to be related to the idol stats in somehow, like, locking in stats and whatnot, from what I understood. No, I mean, if I, if I understood it right, the secretary is a substitute card. Like you can raise the the stars of a card and unlock some skills you use in the game because you you have a skill tree inside of the game as well. Uh, she is a substitute card because you need to use the same card as the one you want to unlock some stars. So well, you're yes. gonna get uh, a SSR 
and you're going to get a, a secretary SSR and it's going to substitute the, the card oh. you, you, you would normally use. <laughs> there there's no, else. there's no, there's, you, you cannot well, okay. lock in status. Um, it is just bad. I think we've covered a lot of Idle Master. Uh, Same. To the point, yeah, we're getting we're getting uh, pretty ridiculous and in depth on it. But hey, if if you're listening and this sounds like a game for you, become you're you're one of them. Uh, yeah, go check it out. I guess right. Yeah, okay? for sure. I'll definitely try this. Yeah, out. no, I'll definitely learn Japanese. <laughs> you should. You don't need to learn Japanese. No, it, you it gotta very... learn a foreign language through Netflix. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. <laughs> and all the anime that are coming out, particularly the original anime. Uh, most of which are translated into a number of languages, uh, whether it be dub or have the subs available, and that's where our next topic is gonna is gonna land us is the state and success you might say of the Netflix original anime, i.e. the Devilman Crybaby, uh, the Violet Evergarden, Children of the Whales. Your interpretation of what an orig- Netflix original anime can take it one way or another. Be the beginning. Ico and Sword Guy are the notable ones that have come out uh, this year. Um, what shows are worth out watching so and gun. improvements to be made seasonal simulcasting really all that important is Netflix doing good for anime so these are the questions we're going to tackle here look at this guy ignoring uh, Agresco <laughs> Agresco yeah I did watch episode Dude, 1 of Agresco yesterday awesome. to see what all the fuss is about that uh, that's a that's definitely for the female audience I will say that much um, it's not bad by any means it's just very different <laughs> I like different <laughs> yeah if you like different, it's definitely for you. Um, I don't think so. So, <laughs> uh, I think Devilman Crybaby and Violet Evergarden are definitely the standouts. At this point, yeah. At this point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's everyone's thought over the, the current success and state over the Netflix anime that are coming out? I think... Um, huh, oh, sorry, I mean, you can go first. <clears throat> okay, uh, I think that... Uh, I think that I have to put into question what you mean by success. Um, like, Devilman Crybaby... Obviously, you know, I fucking love Devilman Crybaby. I, I, I've known about I've known about the Devilman for a little bit, but uh, you know, watching the anime and whatnot, the original anime, it's kind of bad. So seeing my uh, like, uh, <laughs> just seeing, just seeing like, uh, holy shit, I'm fucking blanking on his name now. Seeing Masaki Iwasa okay, actually want... take over, uh, okay. uh, take over, uh, take on uh, Devilman. I love Masaki Uwasa. I think he did that show a lot of justice. So, you know, I absolutely enjoyed it. I ended up really liking Violet Evergarden as well, which is a Kiwani show that I have enjoyed for the first time in a long time. So, mm-hmm. it's... There There are definitely good things. Children of the Whale is another one I watched. Uh, less good. Uh, that wasn't really... <laughs> that wasn't really something that I enjoyed. I think it became kind of weak in the end but uh it started out strong just couldn't keep it up but like yeah no as i said i think it kind of i have kind of question what you mean by success it's it's another source of income for for uh, the anime industry you have another big player getting involved and uh but like and yes ultimately do i think that the anime industry will make more money probably uh what does that have? But like the way I always think about it is like, what kind of long-term uh, relation would that, or what would that mean for anime long-term? Well, considering what we've seen from Netflix so far in the anime industry, nothing because nothing changes. Netflix doesn't need to change anything, and why would they? Uh, the anime industry is still a 
like systematically broken and how only the top dogs and when I say top dogs I don't mean studios or people that work in the industry I mean the sponsors of shows they are the ones who make mm -hmm. all the money and the people that make it the people that are responsible for anime being produced they still get like the store the studio they will get like 20% of the profits a show make and that doesn't matter if it's being produced by Netflix or someone else so it's you know for now, I say, I say like, good. We have another player. We have another player in the anime industry, and that's not a bad thing. But I don't see anything changing anytime soon. Become. What are your thoughts on all the, on all this? Uh, I think it's great that Netflix has gotten as far into the anime industry as it has, and is like putting some money into shows that otherwise wouldn't necessarily get made, or maybe would have needed like some sort of Kickstarter to get made or something. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, so, like, they don't have to go through, like, as much of the traditional Japanese production committee formula, so you see these shows that can appeal to more than lollicons, uh, <laughs> which is a nice thing to see. Is that uh, another jab at, jab at Love Live? Just slightly. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Once per topic, it seems. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I love Devilman Crybaby. I love Masaki Yuasa. Um, all of his work is worth watching. And Devilman, like, he really made his own take on that uh, franchise, uh, which I thought made it really interesting. Uh, he just explored a lot of philosophical questions throughout that anime. Um, and then Violet Evergarden, I'm a huge Kyoani fanboy. Uh, and this was, like, some of their best work. Um and also, when you compare what actually Violet Evergarden ended up being with the original light novel origins, which have a lot of stupid light novel bullshit in them, uh, they really adapted okay. it well and made something much more special than its origins. Um, oh, interesting. What do you mean? That is impossible. The original <laughs> is always the best. <laughs> like, yeah, light novels are always the pinnacle of fiction in the world. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely. Look at smartphone. <laughs> yeah. Look at the thing. Uh, this is just the pinnacle uh, of video. You don't get to bring that up again, Hickey. <laughs> One per episode. Now I will always bring that. Now I got. Now I'll, I gotta I'll ask. Always bring that in. Become. Have you seen Isakai smartphone? Another. Yeah. I've watched the first two episodes and said, "Nope." That was bad. Sorry. No. Well, our fellow, our fellow, you, I'm, I'm our fellow King of Weaves here watched the entire. Oh series. my god, I feel bad for you guys. <laughs> no, you may have enjoyed it. Like Dude. I will hate watch stuff Dude. sometimes. So I, I, I the understand. scars, the scars are so deep. I cannot forget what I saw. <laughs> oh, I wanted to bleach my eyes. That was that thing was horrible. Anyway, <laughs> um, besides that, uh, I my watched, take on the anime. Uh, yeah, I watched the first few episodes Please. of Children no. of the Whales. I agree that. Um, it had a really <clears throat> interesting visual aesthetic to it, um, and like a pretty strong start, but I, I stopped watching at a certain point because it got busy with the current anime season, and everything I heard after the point where I stopped is that it goes extremely downhill, so I don't know. I wouldn't say it goes extremely downhill. I don't know. That's... I think there's I think there's flaws like anything else. Okay, okay. Well, then, yeah, maybe I heard from some crazy people. I don't know. I or think... like some people who are more aggressive about it. But, yeah. I think the, no, best no, way, or the best way I heard it explained was... Uh... Like, there's an anime YouTuber that I watch sometimes, even though he uploads, like, once every year. Uh, but it's, uh, like, the way he explained it, and this was before, like, the old, the show even began. Uh, mm -hmm. What This was his experience with the manga, but what he, what, the way he explained it was, like, 
Children of the Whales is a is a show or will be a show or a manga in this case with uh, like a be- with a beautiful tale uh, beautiful tale to tell about uh, well, I don't remember exactly in words but basically what he says is what he came down was the message what he felt was the message of the show kind of becomes weaker as it goes on and it gets more it gets bogged down in other stuff and like that kind of mutes the main point of the story for a while so it's like and yeah, I, I, see, I can, I see I like, can agree with that for, yeah. for the most part yeah yeah so it's like you know that that seems that seems like fair criticism <laughs> uh well <laughs> i i really personally i love what netflix is doing uh i love the what, what i wasn't expecting was the variety of the shows we're getting so it seems like there's going to be something out there for everybody uh be it you want the gratuitous violence that was devil man crybaby you have the uh, <clears throat> the um, romance kind of uh, Kyoani element that is Violet Evergarden, the artistic Children of the Whales. Like it's not just one type of anime we're seeing. It's not just one studio. We're seeing a, a slew of different things kind of mold together into this one service. I quite enjoy that, and and even Sword Guy being, in my opinion, the weakest out of all the Netflix ONAs that we're seeing. Uh, it was it, it, people could find something very enjoyable with that. It was just nonsense violence, essentially, in fight scenes. Um, is it the greatest thing in the world? No, but it's it's not say terrible by any means. Uh, what shows are worth watching? Um, I think what I what I listed earlier, uh, everything's worth watching from Netflix. It seems I haven't seen a, a terrible show yet. I, I'll reiterate, uh, it's just does this show appeal to you? Uh, some things are going to be better than others just by a pure quality standard. Just Violet Evergarden Devilman comes to mind immediately. Um, what improvements do you think could be made to the situation? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't really think it needs to improve. Uh, I've been an advocate of Netflix starting making more anime. And, you know, when everyone is saying that this would be bad and they're going to ruin the anime industry, they're going <laughs> to buy everyone, I said no, because they're not a bunch of dumb stuff, like dumb people in an office. They know what they're doing. And then, surely enough, we saw the Devil May Cry Baby and Ico, whatnot, and people were like, oh, they're good. And then people start saying, hey, Netflix is going to save the anime industry. And I said, no, they won't because, like Tori said, they don't have any obligation of changing the anime industry. It's not there, and they don't have any. They don't have any obligation of doing anything oh. that is above average. I mean, they so like they one can. thing I don't understand. Hang on, one thing that I don't understand: now people are like saying uh, Netflix shows they're not. How can I put it? Uh, they are not that good. Like they are above average, but. That's not because they have both average, because just because they are frustrated, uh, because they they kind of variate so much, and they're like, okay, this might be actually this the savior of the anime industry. And when they said they saw that Netflix is not doing anything special, they're they're just doing anime. They kind of got frustrated and start bashing, but I don't think it needs to improve. I think they're doing above average anime mm-hmm. that is very good. And they're gonna do this for what twenty five more anime? They they said they would they would release this year, yeah. because they said at the beginning of the year there's, there's gonna be thirty original anime. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of an insane number <laughs> to be producing. 
it is. Yeah, like I think we counted all. Uh, it is the same amount of. I think it's superior than Kadokawa and Toho, which are two major companies that do anime as well. The the uh, the major part of a production <laughs> quality. Yeah. They do twenty five to twenty seven per year, and Netflix saying they're gonna do thirty. So it's a big player. Yep. It is definitely one of the big players in the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, I mean, and just to kind of add to what, like I said, uh, I don't think, like, Netflix can't make any improvements. Like I've said, I think uh, any improvements that needs to be made in the anime industry is purely systematical, and it's in how they produce anime to begin with, because this is based on a broken system from a time where no one had any money to produce, and you had to go and basically loan money from some big player who would Obviously right. Want I, everything I remember back. reading some reports that uh, I think it was from Yuasa actually while he was working on Devilman Crybaby that the the deadlines to be met were just just as bad as ever. Oh yeah, they're in yeah. many cases they're worse. Uh, like not because nothing changes because ultimately the people that lend this money they want that back, including most rights and profits that anything makes because you're using my money to create this. You're not going to get my money. <laughs> right and i mean obviously from a business perspective that makes sense but that's why i say like the whole production of like how anime is produced is is broken the system they use is broken that's not netflix fault and netflix no matter how big of a player they get in the anime industry they don't have a say in how the anime industry oper- operates per uh, per now and i don't think they ever will and it's not none of their business right it's not a wise business decision for them to try to get involved with how the Japanese want uh, want their anime produced. So, right. does... So, like, I mean, like I said, does Netflix have any places to improve? Mm. I mean, for me, obviously availability, because I'm sick of like, oh, look, all, all these cool things Netflix is getting. Not for you, though. It's like, ugh. <laughs> you need to wait six months. <laughs> no, I don't get it. Period. <laughs> they don't release it. They don't release it on Norwegian Netflix at all. Norwegian Netflix is still. Yeah, no, cut. I have this problem with Crunchyroll. Not. not I have this much problem Netflix. with with Netflix. Netflix is not only not producing a whole lot of content for me at the moment. They are removing most of the content from us as well. It's like, ah, oh, you don't need that anymore. Ah, you don't need that anymore. It's like, <clears> thanks. <throat> Yeah, when I was living in Germany, it was very much the same issue. Like, Give me those thirty the, movies that I can watch. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it was pretty much a waste of time. Like all, all of my friends in college were just like, "No, I have American Netflix. Are you kidding me? I VPN that shit." <laughs> nah. They don't even bother with the with the the local content of the country. Uh, what I what I now what I really like about Netflix is is the player is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, the the download offline function is fantastic. And I love how it produces all the, or at least most of the anime in foreign language, which really helps my uh, my German. I love watch. I watched all of Violet Evergarden, uh, and Ico and Be the Beginning in German dub, and it was f- phenomenal. I loved it. the The voice acting is, or at least the the dub for for German is the best I've seen in years. I'm no longer hearing what what seems to be the same three people over and over again in every <laughs> anime. Kind of that Funimation syndrome, you might say. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I really love about it. But yeah, uh, it, when I was living in Canada, if I didn't have American Netflix, it would have been a nightmare. When I was living in Germany, I just didn't even have it all together. So, 
Uh, is now I gotta ask the question, guys: Is se seasonal simulcasting really all that important? Because that seems to be a topic that is always synonymous. Whether you're surfing uh, the the internet, uh, the, the the Twitter haters of Netflix, how whether be it they you don't get the show until the end of the season when it's all released. We saw that with Violet Evergarden, or just regular well, uh, simulcasting in general. Is is it really that big a deal? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it can really it is, help the, you build the a fan base. fans have yeah. short. Yeah, yeah the, the fan base has short memory. That too. So you you need to 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 take it like to to simulcast. They did that with Violet Evergarden and Fate, but for some reason this season they just decided they won't do it anymore. Yeah. And you know, there's not a lot of transparency, so I don't know why. No. Like no one knows why. Why in, in this season they tested the simulcast and in my opinion it was very good mm -hmm. uh but then they decided to drop the idea and you know our, our, the netflix shows will only be available after the the season is done yeah like i i think the two shows that come to mind are uh jusenki pandora from this season and hisone tomasotan <laughs> and thank you bcom you uh you got you got me on that and i think uh hickey is very happy you got me on that as well yeah, that show's pretty fun so far. But again, it's, it's, another uh, Netflix yeah. show that we won't <laughs> necessarily see. Like, luckily, there is a fan subbing group that has been saving us for a couple, like, seasons now with Little Witch Academia and Violet Evergarden and now Hisone Tomasotan. They've been doing a fantastic job. Their name is Asenshi. And they're basically just the crew that will... Like, fan sub the Netflix show that's not getting released in the United <laughs> States, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's nice. Um, yeah, there's one dude in particular who's actually uh, fan subbing a lot of a lot of it into multiple languages, whether it's uh, French, Spanish, or German in particular. Oh wow, that's nice. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know the name off the top of my head, but they're they're doing it. Yeah, uh, that's how Captain Subas is being released. That's in perpetual music nightmare with licensing. <laughs> yeah, that's always a problem, but that's not so much you can do anything with. But like. Um, yeah, no, like I like I said, I'm uh, I'm very much like for uh, simulcasting. I I think it's for me it's very necessary. Like I mean, I can just count, uh, count my own experience watching Devilman. I love love Devilman Crybaby. Mm -hmm. It took me forever to watch that show, even though it was all out and I could just go through every single episode. But that's mm -hmm. not how I watch my seasonal anime, and I have other seasonal anime to watch. So I end up like I watched for the first, I watched like the first three episodes in like three days, and then I didn't watch an episode for like two weeks, and then I watched another episode, and like another two weeks went by, and I'm like I keep forgetting to watch, and I have other stuff to watch and other stuff to do, and it's just like, even though I really enjoy the show, it just keeps being pulled down my my like the my like uh, watch list because I don't have time to sit down and watch all the episodes, and I don't want to sit down and just watch one episode. <laughs> yeah, Unless it's come out like um, it's the... easier to do that when it just comes out. Oh, here's a new episode. I'm not saying that there's like there are yeah. good parts about watching everything at once, but and not necessarily at once. But like I mean, I do watch shows that aren't airing, and I do watch that like as I have my soft rules, like about five episodes a day. But like still, <laughs> it's I don't know. I like yeah. Watching when Devil May Cry maybe initially the... came out, I watched it once a week on a Friday. Like that was just my Friday show. 
Yeah, I watched it like three episodes of the time culture over three is days. Not... <laughs> <laughs> I got through that pretty quickly. Oh. Um, chew every every week, I guess. The I don't know. Day... I don't know. I'm so I'm so torn on the on the seasonal simulcasting opinion. Uh, on one side, I well, understand that the anime community is is it's very ingrained to watch everything uh, by the week, weekly, at, at, yeah. weekly, weekly, yeah. Uh, but then, this is I the mean, from Netflix perspective. Their audience, the audience of Netflix, based on their metrics, I guarantee can pull it up, is binge-watching. Everything's got to be released at once. That's that, uh, what, what's that 80s, 80s show uh, that it's based out of? You guys know what I'm referring to? No. 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 Um, well, anyways, uh, any, any type of show that generally comes out on Netflix is always the whole thing in one, in one go. And it's binge watch material. That's that's the audience. Uh, is that the anime audience in particular? I don't think that Netflix understands that. That's why maybe the anime well, are no, getting of the course numbers they understand. that they want. If they didn't, if they didn't understand that, why would they simulcast and simuldub in Japan? Well, they know they know why that that's they how try, the Japanese audience watches. Why would they try to simulcast and simuldub? Like, why would they try to simulcast and simuldub across the world outside the United States? Why would they? Of course they understand. Of course they understand. What happens is after the, after they did the little uh, experiment with simulcast, they said, "No, we're cool. At least in the other side, of, like the the other countries of the world, we don't need to simulcast." The end. <laughs> I think so too. Like I don't just don't think the the Netflix audience is even remotely interested in simulcasting. They're like, "Why would I watch this? They didn't give me everything." Well, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, I have some numbers to look at from my anime list. And I think okay. if Netflix looking at these numbers might double think the simulcasting because Violet Evergarden was the most popular uh, episode, or anime on Mal in winter 2018 season with mm-hmm. 330,000 members on Mal. The next most popular is Darling in the Franks, which is still ongoing. And that was only at 259. So Violet Evergarden really crushed it with people who added it to their Mal. And so, you know, Violet Evergarden was simulcast around the world, except for the United States. Whereas Devil Man all came out at once, only 175,000 members on Mal. Be the Beginning, 72,000. Ico, 33,000. Sword Guy, 20,000. So there's a huge drop-off after those the top two, first of all. Yeah. But there's a huge oh, drop-off yeah. between Absolutely. Violet Evergarden and Devil Man as well. And that may be because of the content of the anime, the animation style, a whole bunch of factors. But it also may just be because the conversation about Devil Man lasted about a week and then everybody moved on. Uh, Violet yep. Evergarden's conversation lasted for three months uh, and everybody mm-hmm. kept jumping in because they kept hearing interesting things about it. Uh, so I think there is some... Uh, value to simulcasting over a period of time because it allows the community to hype up something get on the train get off the train derail the train you know uh whatever it may be whatever it may be yeah yeah Yeah. but i mean i'm just gonna uh just to kind of ruin that a a bit as well oh sure uh the problem the problem with using mouse statistics and ask anyone that works for any sort of streaming company they will Mm. say that they will never trust mouse statistics and they will yeah. say, because we have much better statistics to go off of. Oh, I'm sure Netflix's internal is... stats are much better. Yeah. yeah. Whether or not that is always true, because the one that I recently heard talk about that was Miles from Crunchyroll. Whether or not that is actually true, because that guy's kind of known, <laughs> known for lying, is a whole, is a whole different uh, situation. But, I mean, that's just what they always say publicly. It's like, they will not trust any fan sites. 
because why would I trust somebody that's not a you know <laughs> a respected company? Right. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Well, I man, it's it's tough to say what uh, what the stats are since Netflix doesn't share them even with their own producers and content no one does. creators. No streaming site does. They don't want yeah, they want to know. Yeah, it's very it's very. Sh- I, I don't know. Do, should I call it shady? I feel like it's shady. Kinda. <laughs> yeah, so that, that leads a lot of negotiation off the table, doesn't it? Yeah, because you can only kind of go on what they tell you. They say, well, this show is popular. It's like, okay. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> uh, well, does that does that do it for our main topics, guys? Uh, or do sure. we have anything else we yeah, want to so. say? No. I mean, if you really want to talk about changing the anime industry, I would say it is interesting to look up the one... A speech the CEO from Yayozuru, uh, the studio who made Kemono Friends, mm-hmm. made on uh, did on a on a university where he said, just like Dory said, the committee production, like the the production committee idea and model is done. We need to change it. And he went over like after three like three hours talking about this model of partnership. Uh, and it is very interesting, but I guess this is a this should be the be safe to another podcast. But if you really want if you really want to see how people are thinking of changing how the anime industry works, uh, the guys on Yayozuru, although they are not very good animators, uh, <laughs> they are very good at uh, at analyzing the market and new ways of thinking of how to make the industry better and this partnership he he is trying to develop it is a very interesting concept and you should look up at it because it is probably the future it is a new future no i mean no way you kind of will i be alive to see that probably not but it is definitely the future you say that but i don't think so i mean you kind of see that with a lot of uh a lot of studios i'm I'm gonna wrap this up now but like just to kind of uh, you know, look at what the Trigger and A1 Pictures or whatnot is doing with like the their partnership. There's a lot of stuff. I know it's not exactly the same, but it's there's a lot of you see a lot of studios and a lot of people right now trying to develop their own partnerships. So I do expect to see a change of some sort, not mm-hmm. necessarily a big change, but I mean you also have some that I could see being very much on board with. So people like King Records who. Is very famous right now for having, you know, greenlit the production of Pop Team Epic. And everyone knows that Pop Team Epic, they paid <laughs> out their fucking ass to make Pop Team Epic. And they have made almost <laughs> nothing back. They still <laughs> wanted it made, though. <laughs> so there are there are exceptions. They're just rare. Hmm. Become? Any final uh, thoughts? I guess, like, the only thing I didn't mention about Netflix and about Crunchyroll and about all the streaming services, I always think that the the subtitles could be better uh, if they tried. Like, nobody is still matched, like, <laughs> the best fan subs with, like, their really nice typesetting, like, really nice, like, translations, like, uh, not lack of typos. I think Netflix is pretty good about the typos, honestly. You only see them once in a while, where Crunchyroll, you see them, like, twice an episode in every anime they ever put out, there's a typo. Um, they really need some editors or something. Uh, but yeah, like beyond that, like I think Netflix is doing a fantastic job with the the properties that it's handling handling right now. So, 
yeah, I just uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more uh, from Netflix in the future. Alrighty. Well, why don't we move on to the main review of the episode, which is Pat Labor. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Oh, wow, the excitement! <laughs> I know. <laughs> Wow, okay. <laughs> Everyone is so hyped right now. <laughs> Alrighty, so the way we're going to do it, we got the original OVA series from 1988 uh, up for discussion, seven episodes, then we're going to move on to movie one and then movie two. All pretty much came out at the same time. They're all uh, related in the same universe as each other, uh, which I thought was interesting. I, I can't really think of a series that did something like this where it had an OVA series, movies, and then it has a alternative TV series universe with the same characters, but it but two very different tones to the show, and we're focusing on more I would say the serious aspect of Pat Labor. Well, with the two movies, I suppose, not the OVA. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the OVA is to an extent, I suppose. Yeah, but, parts um, of the OVA get parts, serious. Yeah, we'll kind get, of. We'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> Uh, so just running down, uh, I'm just going to read off the synopsis here right fast from uh, from my anime list. Uh, in the future, rapidly advancing technology gives birth to giant robots known as labels, as they would say. So named for their usefulness in heavy industry. However, this also gives rise to labor crimes, resulting the need for a new branch of law enforcement equipped and dedicated to the policing of labors. When Izumi Noah, a female police officer, becomes the newest recruit of Special Vehicle Division 2, she and her top-of-the-line patrol labor, or pat labor, you might say, uh, she names it Alphonse, are swept into a series of adventures featuring crazed construction workers, eco-terrorists, and sea monsters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, literal sea monsters. <laughs> literal sea monsters, totally not literal Godzilla or monsters. what have you. Of course not. So, first of all, just what did everyone think of the OVA series? Well, I was surprised. <laughs> uh, going into, uh, going into I Pat Labor, <laughs> I knew nothing about Pat Labor. The only thing I knew about Pat Labor was, somebody, was uh, an anime YouTuber I heard. Uh, I watched uh, anime every day, and he had talked about the second movie of Pat Labor. So I was expecting some sort of very serious thing. And then I met with that comedy and i'm like okay <laughs> i guess this mm -hmm. is fun <laughs> uh, so yeah it took a little bit of getting used it was it was a bit like you know when you built up your expectation for one thing and then you get something completely different it's like did i watch am i am i watching the wrong thing <laughs> yeah did i pick the wrong oba did Mamoru Oshii really direct this fucking sea monster episode? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Yeah, I felt the same way. I was really surprised uh, by the OVAs specifically and their tone. It basically feel like feels like they were going for like a slice of life, like this is what police life is like, except with Gundams. Well, you know, Pat Labors. Um, uh, and it's just, it doesn't quite work for me because, like, the OVA doesn't have a ton of time to set up the characters and give us, like, a nice background or, like, a nice motivation for them. Uh, like, the first time where it really started getting into the characters' backgrounds was when they were all on vacation briefly in, like, episode five 
of the OVA. And we get to see them go home and see, like, their families or their wives, uh, who, like, some of whom are, like, dragging them back into the, the house because they never spend any time there because they are working in, like, the worst conditions imaginable. <laughs> For police officers um they like basically never go go home i think at one point they said i was i was home for three days this past month which just sounds unhealthy and terrible but uh welcome to japan yeah <laughs> right <laughs> it starts off with like the op though we have this like really moe op about like noah izumi <laughs> Uh, who is like you would think from the op is like the main character of the show in some ways she kind of is but in most ways, she's just, like, one of a bunch of people. She's um, the face of the series. Yeah. Her uh, her character design in the OVAs is way more moe than it is in the movies. Uh, to the point that I, I, I don't really like the way her eyes are drawn. Her eyes are drawn in a way that, like, her irises are always, like, towards the inside of her eyes. So she kind of looks cross-eyed all of the time. Which I guess is supposed to be kind of cute and moe. But just comes off like she's looking, like, really dumb all the time to me. Um... <laughs> She kind of is. Yeah, she is kind of dumb, so maybe it fits, honestly. <laughs> I uh, like my robots. This is mine. Don't uh, you dare touch an Alphonse or kill you. Oh, speaking uh, of Alphonse, I, like I wondered if like the writer of Full Metal Alchemist was in any way influenced by this uh, anime. To name Alphonse Elric. <laughs> uh, I couldn't find anything like related to that, but I was like, oh, I wonder. I wonder if he was just like a big Pat Labor fan growing up. And he was like, Alphonse, <laughs> that's a good name for a guy in a metal suit. Uh, yeah. No, maybe maybe he yeah. was a fan of, it was uh, a... of uh, Cutie Honey. There's an Alphonse in there too. Oh, this is true. I guess there's Alphonses all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alphonse is a good name. Uh, I wasn't confused by the OVAs because... Uh, I uh, I I've been listening about Pet Pet Label since the since I started watching anime, and everyone said that the OVAs of comedy and the movies are actually serious stuff. I understood I underestimated the movies, but the OVAs were kind of what I was expecting. I saw the sea monster <laughs> because that episode didn't make any sense. Uh, well. You know, no, it didn't. It did not make any sense. Let me let me let me let me, let me try and make sense. Let me try and make sense of it. No, uh, fuck you, JD. They, <laughs> they were fighting labors, and then in the other episode, it's like, oh, there's this sea monster who looks exactly like the guy we we work with, and they have this weird synergy when they met. I was like, what the fuck is going <laughs> they on? They stare at each other for like an hour, <laughs> and and everyone is in silence, and they're like. And everything was resolved. Like, no, it's not. There's a fucking sea monster out there. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Uh, <laughs> no, I I think it was interesting. Uh, one thing I can say is that the although the, the the dialogue and the writing of the show is not the mo like the most clever one, there's some very clever moments uh, which should be recognized. Uh, especially on how the characters behave. I think the one that stands out is when the Type 98, which is the the new pet label, arrives for the, the second division, and the, the first division uh, woman goes there and she's talking to Goto, mm -hmm. and she's like, I'm not influenced by my, my feelings. And Goto is like, do you want the new labels? And she's like, I want them for my unit. 
and he's like you can have them so like basically he broke uh, her argument that she's not influenced by her feelings when she's working so <laughs> it, it has some clever writing the comedy is the not that nice i guess yeah and the the last three episodes the other the last three episodes which five six and seven don't make sense i think episode seven should be episode five episode five should be episode six and episode six should be episode seven but we're gonna talk about it later i guess <laughs> see i thought i thought the comedy one the first time i watched it i thought the comedy was great this is also during the time when i was watching a lot of things from the late 80s so that might have influenced how i was looking at the anime at the time uh now re-watching it the comedy is very spotty it was it was more or less um all over the place at times some of the jokes were very dry then at times it was very moe such as any sort of scene with noah at <laughs> yeah. times um but you're right about the, the, the way... A lot of the, the character designs didn't seem to be very consistent with each other, I feel. Uh, it was almost like they were still trying to figure even that out, since this, this is an original work. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we even see a progression as we move throughout the OVA episodes of character designs evolving and way into the movies. Oh yeah, the movies like really changed things up significantly. Both movies, honestly. Like Noah Noah looks like a completely different person from like the second movie to the first movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh I, I do like how the introduction to everything you need to know is set. It's almost like it's setting up those later episodes in the OVA specifically. Uh through these for this first half of the OVA, minus the swamp the the, the swamp monster. <laughs> deal um i like how it starts out and it's just this old wartime vet doing all the world at world building you need and and the crew kind of does the same thing of just like what their job is what why they're there why they're in the middle of nowhere um why section two division one team goto looks just like the main main dude from after the rain that was a, a thing hickey you brought to my light and i'm like putting side by side things next to each other so yeah that that was bugging me so much in the first episode. <laughs> like, he looks like a character i saw recently who who they like, are the oh, same character the i'm, rain, I'm, I'm, I'm the 100% same guy. <laughs> there there was some episode I, yeah once jd mentioned this to me there was some episode of the ova where goto is just like quoting poetry quietly in the night as he's like waiting by his squad car and i'm just like oh my god this is actually like the follow-up to after the rain <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened 20 years later after he goes through his midlife crisis dating the teenager <laughs> His failed writing career leads him to a uh, leads him into the police force in a, in a lifetime service. From there on, <laughs> comes the Razor Goto. <laughs> You're just like, why does this guy have like almost zero personality? Why is he so hardened? Oh, well, you need to watch After the Rain, and then it'll all make sense. <laughs> uh, I do. I do like how no one character seemed the same, and they didn't. Besides Noah, she seems a bit like a lot of women characters at the time mm -hmm. um the the girl from gunbuster the uh what, what was her name um oh god uh shoot her name was noriko yes noriko. uh her name yeah she reminded noriko. me a lot of noriko uh, just a little bit more bubbly a um, little bit more open with the personality um more bubbly but all the, and all less the male summer. characters didn't seem trapped by even tropes of the time 
but they were very one dimensional in who they were. With right. I guess the exception of uh, As- Asuma Shinohara, he was he's the character that's uh, the son of the big in- Pat Labor Industry Engineering Company Shinohara Industries. Like he he seemed to have a little bit more personality to him, uh, based solely on his backstory. Yeah, and he's uh, Noah's think... backup, so you know he and her are always interacting with each other. Yeah, I liked I like that about this the show. They they make it very much obvious that Asuma and Noah are a team. Then you have the very oddball team of of uh, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Ota. Um, yeah, Ota, and uh, I think it was uh, Shinshi. I think that's his name. Ota yes. is a man who literally wishes he was just a gun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he just. Yeah. He just wanted. He just wanted to kill some people. His <laughs> character. That's all he never wanted. Changes. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. Not I mean, once. He's in the wrong trade. He needs to become a fucking criminal. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know God. how this guy like, even passed the initial police test. <laughs> yeah. He's very good with a gun. Like how? How did he can? Like I. He can. He can be a police officer. How the fuck did? They gave this guy a giant robot. <laughs> it was like he's he wouldn't pass the psychologic test to pilot that shit. Yeah, in that one episode of the OVA where he like literally just like is in a hostage situation and char- loses his shit, charges in, fires off his huge revolver, even though it has a blank in it, into like the hostages and the, like the guy taking the hostage, like. Oh my god, like, this guy should be fired at the building. from the police force immediately. He, he rams the gun into the building window and then <laughs> fires it. So it's not just he, he loses his cool and fires it like an old 80s cop. No. It goes even one step further. You might say he ana- he animated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it kind of just goes to show their desperate situation at the time, the fact that this guy qualifies. Right. They didn't exactly, they didn't exactly have a whole lot of people to choose from. It's like... Anyone here wants to be in? Anyone here wants to be like a police type type dude? And he's like, I do. And they're like, good enough. <laughs> that was one of the weird you got things. The job. It's like these can't be the only like police department in all of Tokyo, right? Like, no, yeah, they, no, they, they are the only with the pet labels. Yeah. You have two divisions with the pet labels. Yeah, the first you have division, a competent division. <laughs> yeah, and then you have the, division the first two. division who actually do the shit, and the second division. Who were just the the factors? <laughs> well, just there. You know what? You know what? This reminds me of. This reminded me a lot of uh, the Police Academy movies, but with robots. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> the like, dude making great. all the you, sound you see, effects. Yeah, I, I like. I, I did. I did like. Always, I, I always enjoyed when the show uh, put other things into perspective, like how far away they are. Like, oh, you should have told me what to get for dinner like an hour ago. It's going to take me an hour just to go get the, get the food and come back. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, things like they're always working the night shift, uh, but and they're always hanging out in this little 10 by 10 tatami area, just super small and tiny, and they're just always complaining and bored all the time. They don't really know what to do. The engineering group is always the one that's actually doing all the work because of the robots they're breaking. Not really. <laughs> if they are not working, they're just fishing. <laughs> yeah, they're fishing because they gotta have lunch. <laughs> fishing, there's this chicken scoop. <laughs> they don't do anything. Yeah, they gotta tend to their vegetable garden because, again, any any sort of 
convenience store is just too far away. I, I quite, I, those are the aspects about the, the show that really puts a lot of things into perspective. So when they actually go out and do actual police work, you're like, I don't know if they, I, I don't see them doing anything police-wise ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like a volunteer fire department of, of junior high dropouts. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Well, why don't we get into the... That's that's more or less what the first half of, of Pat Labor is, is this kind of co- comedy and laid-back aspect with some wacky moments. Uh, but then there's episodes 5, 6, and 7. Yeah. Um, yeah. The why longest why day. Tor- Tori, Become, you, got, you guys got some words about these, don't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I mean, like, the longest day episode was where this series really started getting serious um Mm -hmm. like i said it really uh you see these characters go home to their wives or to i was kind of confused by shinohara because he seemed to want to just like go home with like any one of the girls who would have him in the police department (laughs) Uh, but he ends up going around with noah it's because he he didn't he didn't want to go home yeah he didn't want to go home so he's trying to find yeah he kind of hates his his so first he's like well this there's this girl like this there's this <laughs> this american woman she's very cute i'm gonna try get on <laughs> like hook her up and she goes like here have have a flower and she's like no i'm going back to america fuck you <laughs> and he's like oh well i got rejected well then next one in the list as a new yorker myself like uh, i was always rooting for Kanika clancy of the nypd to do well uh <laughs> she got some great moments throughout this series so yeah um, oh yeah one she's of her just, shiny moments was also definitely her happy. bringing the gun into the hot spring <laughs> yes. for the bathhouse <laughs> when they all when they all when they all go to get you know uh special training mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she like and then like she hears the scream from the other hot spring runs over like dives like <laughs> ready to shoot whatever <laughs> is like attacking them it's pretty fantastic <laughs> noah comes running like you're what are you wearing and then like throws a towel on her <laughs> So the longest day, uh, definitely. I, I I feel like this was a good character focus for a lot, especially Shinohara. How we get a little of his backstory and why he doesn't want to go home, but it's in so little words. Kind of gets the point across. You get to know who Noah is, who's everyone's favorite character mm-hmm. most of the time for most of the series. My favorite's just Ota because he's insane, <laughs> and mine's Kanaka because New York, because <laughs> New York and hotness. Right, got it. Yeah. Uh, Hickey, what what is your feelings over the, this these last like three episodes of the OVA? Where does uh, like it shine? Said, Where does it fail? That kind of situation. the they seem out of order mm-hmm. uh, because episode five and six they tell you a story and it looks like the the ending, mm-hmm. but then you have episode seven, which is a separate comedy story. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense because episode five and six they they're they're quite serious. Let's well, Episode seven oh, is directed I'm... by a different director, um, Naoyuki Yoshinaga, who went on to direct the entire TV series after this. Um, yeah, it was kind of, I guess, his training to do it while I, I Oshii worked on the movies. Most likely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but still. The series, then. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I kind of kind of heard the series because you went out of episode six with that feeling. While that was a very clever thing, and it mm-hmm. was very serious and nice and that was what i wanted with bad label this comedy but also serious thing that we all that we actually see like the the balance formula in the movie one 
you kind of see it in episode five and six, but then you have episode seven, which is goes back to this sea monster level of comedy. I was like, oh. yeah, it was definitely uh, it was definitely the direction why? they wanted to take the TV show into that kind of episodic comedy realm. And uh, as someone who's seen the TV series, uh, that that's exactly what basically more or less what you get. Um, which is fine, but mm-hmm. if you wanted more serious stuff, then you go, you stick with the Osh- Mamoru Oshii uh, movies, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, episode seven was funny because they are literally attacked by Zaku's straight out of Gundam. These <laughs> <laughs> green Zaku. Yeah. Yes. It's pretty fantastic. And Noah. It's very self aware. <laughs> Noah is very upset that they hurt her Pat Chan, and she, she, she gives them the justice they deserve. <laughs> yeah, I, I always like how. She takes priority over her pat labor getting treated badly over anything else. Like, there's one moment in, I believe it's the first episode, where she's hanging off an overpass. Yeah. And they're like, oh, go yeah. get it! Well, but what if I, what if I damage him in some way? Like, I can't what are you talking down. about? It's so long, <laughs> it's so long. What if I hurt him? What if something breaks? You'll be fine! <laughs> oh, I love it. How about that? Uh, there's that scene. Uh, I think it's in the OVAs where, like, she can't jump under, over, or go under an overpass. So, like, yeah. they call a blimp to come down, and then she like grabs onto the blimp and like flies over the overpass. <laughs> yeah, she kind of leaps over it. I lo- yeah, the the moment where it cuts to the dude actually flying the blimp, his his second mate or whoever you might call him mm-hmm. he's like what guy man what a captain what are you doing he's like i've always wanted to do this especially in movies and he's all he's all like poked out <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, think, it. <laughs> I think that was one of the movies wasn't it it might have been movie one i'm not sure yeah, yeah. because i, no, I, I don't think, remember I that from the ova the fir- i think it was like the first ova episode Oh, it might have been. I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure which one that was. I mean, it, to be fair, it's been a while, so I don't. I don't exactly remember, but I don't. Know, I just. I have it in my mind that it was in one of the movies, but it's possible. First appearance of a blimp in Pat Labor, but not the last. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, uh, just, just some, just some world building things that they do that they do uh, touch on in the show, which supports much later things uh, going into the two movies. Uh, they always seem to have some sort of serious conversation of, about what they call the Babylon Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the giant super wall, so to say, to protect from the rising sea, sea levels. This plays into the first movie, uh, which was, of course, the major start of the innovation and building of the labors. It's more or less their industrial age. Uh, and the the show and, and movies take place in the late 90s, early 2000s, which I kind of got a kick out of. Uh, it's always fun to watch an old anime, and that's kind of what they hope is the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the future is always very bleak. <laughs> yeah. Um so that play the like the idea of the Babylon project and how big the super wall is plays into the first movie and then um more or less uh the acts of terrorism and the ideals of where the country and age is heading goes into the second movie. Uh so each thing plays off each other. I thought that was very clever in what they were doing. Um I think it was totally on purpose and that's what Oshi had in mind of where he wanted to take the Pat Labor series. Mhm. What do you think about the terrorists in Pat Labor being environmental protection advocates? <laughs> like, do you think that's like a little, like, screwed up? <laughs> like well, the, I mean, if you remember the the especially in the late eighties yeah. uh, with like Captain Planet and everything coming out, uh, 
with uh with the great just take america for example with the great lakes being essentially poisoned all the rivers the cleveland river like catching on fire mm-hmm. um uh, uh massive environmental superfund sites becoming finally issues with mining with mine operations dumping everything like the idea of eco-terrorism was very much alive especially during the time uh i i i absolutely mark out for that kind of stuff there's a wrestling term for you guys mark out <laughs> I totally mark out for that kind of thing. So, like, <laughs> when, whenever I get something, and this isn't the the only time that you see it in Pat Labor. You even see it through the TV show uh, and the OVAs that there, there's always some sort of, be it eco-terrorism, uh, environmental issues with the rising sea levels. I mean, we did, this isn't even the only things we saw in anime. We saw that, that a lot in the 70s, uh, in particular, with Future Boy Conan comes to mind. Uh, just kind of sidetrack there for a second. Uh, I I always quite like it, and I thought the the writing used for it were was used particularly better in the movies because they were more centrally focused as I opposed agree. to the OVAs. Yeah. yeah, the OVAs often suffered from just long exposition dumps, um, just the, or like police officers talking about how boring their lives are and how boring their job is for like <laughs> is that not true though <laughs> i mean it's true it's just like i don't know if this is like something i want to watch right now like <laughs> uh, can we get back to the pat labors maybe but yeah well it's okay you have oto losing his goddamn mind because of such things <laughs> this, this <laughs> you might true. say that's it exacerbates his mentality <laughs> i think there was like a, a scene in uh, episode two of the ova where like they all like sleep in like the same room on the base and like all of these guys are sleeping mm-hmm. in this like two by two like tatami yeah. mat room like all like just barely like all fitting in this room and it's like this can't be how police sleep in Japan like it can't be like they oh, must okay, have more room than this. <laughs> there wasn't even there wasn't even a uh, what do they call it a katatsu the table with the the heat heater underneath there was no there wasn't room even for one a those table. in there. <laughs> yeah, well, I was <laughs> like good enough. I would like them to see them sleep in the fucking time pods. Just like, not even fucking, no, you don't even get that. You just get like fucking a little like pod that you can, that you can lay back in and then have a door closed right in front of you. <laughs> like your walls <laughs> literally touching you wherever you are. <laughs> uh, so I got to ask now before we go into the two movies, um, what's everyone's opinion on the, what be it the mech designs or the detail or the grit that was shown in the show? Uh, because that to me that's what stood out the most even during the yeah. late 80s and the background art used yeah the animation overall was pretty solid for these OVAs especially anything that focused on action with any of the labors whether it be the pat labors or like the runaway like construction labors or whatever that they're chasing like I know there was one that was like a red one in like the first or second episode that was like running away it was like a spider legged type thing mm-hmm. very it Mamoru Oshii <laughs> to have a spider oh, yeah, legged thing um, yeah they spider tank uh, but yeah, like, or things where, like, uh, there's a pat labor on the back of, like, a truck bed that is, like, sitting up and, like, the sheets on it are, like, like just, you know, going in with the wind and everything. It's just all animated, like, crazily well. Um, that being said, the movies go way further with the animation. Um, yeah, I think, I think the OVS, like, I think it looks good. Uh, I have, I have nothing complained with, like, visually, in particular, with the OVS. Uh, it's a bit of a, I'm not going to say shock, but it is a bit of like, I found it weird going into the movies, just seeing like, you know, 
movie quality animation and all of a sudden it's just like they're like properly moving everything like them just yes. turning their heads it's like look at how like every single like slow movement is, is I mean it's like you know in the OVA it's like they're not that that hyper focused on the details but you know again that's the difference between a OVA and a, or a TV series and a movie uh, <laughs> they have a bit different they have a bit of a different time schedule to do stuff in and whatnot. but like yeah no I like the way I like the way Pat Labor looks uh some character design uh, choices from the OVA was a bit weird. Not exactly my thing, but yeah, look good. Alrighty. Yeah. Well, I also I also thought that it looked good. Uh, the music is very good as well. Uh, the soundtrack <laughs> is pretty good. Oh, I adore the music uh, that's the, in the Pat Labor series. Kenji Kawai. Yeah. I guess my <laughs> yeah, my my biggest problem would be although the mecha fights and some of the other details in the OVAs. They're very good as well, just as mentioned. They cut, they cut a lot of corners to make them. So sometimes you have still frames, and these still frames will be on screen for three to five seconds. Mm-hmm. And they're not just still screens, they sometimes will move. And it's kind of weird because, like, that, I remember, like, there's this still image of an airplane, and it's twirling around. <laughs> I don't know why. It's not like going from one side of the screen to another. It's just going in circles so like is the is the airplane going down something because there's no wired i agree i don't like any of those airplane scenes where they they just barely move up in the sky from like left to right like those did not work for me and they had one in like pat labor one as well the movie and i was just like what are they trying to portray with this plane like it doesn't look good but yeah yeah they still frames when they they decided to use two frames they last long than the recommended. Yeah. But it's just me being picky. The rest of the thing, it is fun. The comedy could be a little bit better, but, you know, it is it is fine. Uh, I actually, when I rewatched the show for the podcast, I actually watched it on High Dive. And in the English dub version. Oh, interesting. I yeah. didn't. <laughs> Uh, just to just to get a different little taste of it, because I, I I know I I know I already loved it uh, with the uh, sub uh, English sub. However, with the dub, it you know it wasn't the the greatest. The voice voice acting, uh, especially in anime, has come a long way when it comes to dubs. Uh, this this wasn't the worst dub I've ever heard, especially from back in the day. Uh, there there's still you know obvious improvements to be made. Um. But I didn't hate it by any means. There's just some a couple cringy moments of, of dialogue that just didn't quite flow too well, and and what have you. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it was it was. I I quite enjoy the OVA series. Are we ready to score the OVA series? Yeah. Um, Becom, why don't you do the honors and give us the first score? You score out of ten or out of five? Or yeah, what? yeah, out of ten, like in like on my anime list. Uh. I'm going to be honest, I will give this a 4 out of 10. <laughs> I really Ooh. did not like the characters. Oh, damn. Um, I thought that they were written poorly. I loved the animation at certain points, but okay. I, I really just thought this was kind of all over the place in tone, in storytelling, in character design. Um, but that will turn around with the movies. So don't worry, I'm not a Pat Labor hater. <laughs> okay, alright. Uh, Hickey, how about yourself? Uh, I gave it a six. Mm-hmm. You know, two more because first I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it, and I 
dude, the, the soundtrack is just amazing. I was lost in the soundtrack. Uh, I don't mind being random, although although yeah, it it kind of is a is a demerit for the show. Uh, the characters I'm fine, especially because I knew the movies before, so this this was, this is more a an introduction to to the world and whatnot. Mm. So I, I went easy on it. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I think a, a, the, a scoring it as a four is not far out of the actual reality of the OVAs. Okay. But I, I gave it a six. Tori? Hmm. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, for me, I didn't really have that many, that many issues with the OVA. The comedy, I didn't mind the comedy so much. Like it was, it was weird. It was not what I was expecting. I don't know, like <laughs> that's for sure. It was, uh, it was fine. Like I didn't, I didn't have particularly problems. But it, I don't mind a bit of dry humor. I actually like a bit of dry humor at times. Uh, so it got a few chuckles out of me, and just I feel like, uh, with ob- some obvious exceptions, I feel like it did a decent job at like portraying at like going from comedy to seriousness. So I actually give it a seven. Tori, I'm actually with you 100% on that. Uh, I'm probably closer to Hickey's 6, but since I mark out to these things so easily, it gets that, what you might say, Hickey extra point value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I was stuck yeah, between I, 6 I, and I th- a 7 think, too, but yeah. I, ultimately it's just like, I don't, I see, like, I don't, I couldn't make an argument in my head that was basically like, yeah, this deserves a 6. I'm like, yeah, I'll give it a 7 then. <laughs> Not even the sea monster? Not even the sea monster, no. <laughs> so, like, at, so at that point, even, I was just accepting as... the weird shit. So it's like, yeah. okay, fair enough, sea monster, I get it. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, with, with what was coming out at the time, uh, especially in the 80s, as, I've, as I have to reiterate, um, just what was out, this was very much different. And uh, I think for what it set out to do, it did it, it, did it well enough. It didn't do it great by any means, Um but I did enjoy it. Even even the the crazy sea monster stuff uh, seemed to have its place because of eco terrorism at the time. Uh, you know, it wasn't out of the realm of, of possibilities of what was going to be written at the time. Um, so yeah, I also gave it a seven out of ten. Uh, very generous, I might might add though. Uh, it's probably closer to the six. <laughs> the six end of things. So why don't we move on then to movie one, which uh, oh boy, it takes a way different turn now. Mm-hmm. The uh, Naoki uh, Yoshinaga, the director of ep- Episode 7 at OVA, moved on to the TV show. That was more of your episodic comedy, uh, I'll, I'll state once again. So if, you're, if, you really, if you were really a fan of the comedy or didn't have many issues with it, then that 47-episode series is definitely worth checking out. Uh, but we're here to talk about where Mamoru Oshii took Pat Labor, and boy, he took it in, I'm going to say it right now, a fantastic direction. Yes, he did. <laughs> Like I'll just say, oh, like twenty minutes into this movie, I was already thinking like this is like a world apart from the OVAs. Like the plot was well constructed; it's like really propulsive, pushing us forward like at all times, and really easy to follow as well. And the animation is just absolutely insane. Um, there's like multiple points in this film where I just had my jaw on the floor. I don't know about you guys. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I was surprised. That surprised me. That, and it, and I was, this was very surprised. Yeah, and it came out in 1989, so it was only a year later. 
once the once the series was done, once the TV show got got work got worked on. So I don't know how long it took to develop, but this had to be developed at the same time as the OVA. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, it's set in 1999, uh, so only 10 years after it came initially was released. Focuses on the Babylon Project, which I spoke of earlier, and how it's affecting Tokyo. How the, how uh, this large man-made island uh, called an called what they've nicknamed the Ark serves as this main hub, so to say, for for uh, the Babylon Project being constructed, and it's it's where most of the labors are also manufactured uh, for the facility or at the facility uh, for this major project. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could you the way I was looking at it was like when certain dams and whatnot were being built in the 80s, uh, especially in over in Japan and Asia, uh, a lot what wh- whenever a man-made a large man-made construction project was taking place uh, with all of this environmental issues at the time, it was always room for a lot of uh, hippie nonsense, you might say. <laughs> But it was well warranted because everything was being poisoned from bad environmental protection uh, uh, regulations at the time. So th- this was this movie was definitely a, I feel a uh, a deconstruction or or a uh, or a piece on this environmental these environmental issues at the time. For sure. Yeah. So yep, yep. what's uh so uh, become you mentioned the animation like. Usually OVAs in the in the eighties were where animation was the strongest. That's where they put a lot of their budget. The whether it was the uh, the fight scenes with the labors uh, being taken over by this virus that was going along. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, you just don't see that in anime nowadays because everything's like CG constructed. This was done so well. I couldn't believe what I was witnessing with the eyeballs that were in my head. <laughs> yeah, there's like a scene where like uh, when labor like tackles another into like a river. And, like, the water just, like, goes, like, splashing all over the place. And it's, like, this huge, like, wave. And, like, they're, they're, like, falling at the same time. And, yeah. And then, of course, like, everything with, like, the end game of this movie on the arc, like, fighting their way through, uh, like, the labors which are being reactivated by the OS. Um, everything with that just looks absolutely gorgeous. Like, I, I mean, I feel like I could point at almost any scene in this movie and be like, man, this looks really fantastic. Um and like I said, uh, I think the they did minor alterations to the character designs that just made them look more uniform uh, and like just more polished throughout. Especially Noah, who just looks like a, a real person and not a moe girl now. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, there, there, there was a large amount of polish to this. Oh yeah, not a sure. Everything was very crisp. Uh, the colors were uh, vibrant, and they 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 matched the environment. Um, labor destruction and, and, and mayhem going along always made sense. The, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the use of shadow techniques and the hand-drawn, I believe they were hand-drawn art, art backgrounds used throughout the, throughout the movie. Yeah. Here, I, I, mean, I have I just very need to little point, to complain about. I need to point out, though, like, for as good as the labor fights is, the animation and labor fights and whatnot, I've got to say, I was actually kind of let down by the animation for this movie. Oh, really? and in particular, yes, in particular, there was the uh, there was the fucking use of like, especially when they wanted to be funny, use comedy. They decided to go with this fisheye lens effect on everything. The fisheye lens is a weird bothered choice. Bothered yeah. the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> as somebody, I've seen this attempted in anime for so many times now, and I used to get proper animation using fisheye lens techniques. 
it doesn't work. <laughs> it really doesn't. <laughs> it's like you don't well, go animate back in time and tell them that. They sure wanted to you do know. that at the time, though. They yeah. did. There's even a little bit of it in Patlabor too, but not as much. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it definitely wasn't. Yeah. But like, I mean, it's not even. It's not even just like, oh, it was something they tried back then and they couldn't do. They tried it with K, and they've tried it with like other stuff from later, and it still doesn't work. They tried it with handshakers. It still doesn't work. <laughs> they tried a lot of things with handshakers that didn't work, let's be honest. Nothing in handshakers worked, let's be honest. But like, yeah, no, I mean, so I had, to, I was talking, it's like, I have, there and the animation part department, there are certain things that are extremely cool and really well made, but like that just kind of, makes the bad moments where the, the animation is not as good just bother me that much more because I like I like good animation. I'm a big fan of good animation. Uh, I think most people are. Actually, I know most people aren't. Most people like good still frames. Uh, but no, <laughs> like uh, what I but so I understand that like it's hard to get the exact same quality animation all the way throughout. Which is fine. So that they they have to eventually cut corners somewhere. That's fine. But I feel like with how good they made the fights look, some of the moments where they're not fight, uh, where the patlippers aren't fighting, or they have the com comedic moments, it just makes the animation look. Mm. Uh, it makes it makes the animation it makes me desire a lot more from from what they put on. I'm like saying it's like, ah, can we go back to the fight now? <laughs> I, I kind I of agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I see two patlippers fight again? That was cool. <laughs> oh. Um, and you're the guy who doesn't like giant robots fighting. I know. That's weird. <laughs> so that, that says something about the animation when when it's out of the fights. I will say some of my favorite scenes in this movie were just Detective Matsui uh, going around Tokyo investigating Eiichi Hoba's old apartments, though. But mm -hmm. that's mainly because of like the fantastic background art in all of those scenes and Kenji Kawai's very ghost in the shell esque music, music oh. uh, just carrying those scenes. Yeah, that was. Um, oh yeah, I love I love the moment where he's. Yeah, that where looks he's, like uh, straight over Ghost in the Shell. Yes, like. Whereas in the Tokyo slums. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Tokyo oh. slums. Like there's this one scene where he's sitting in the in the pool and his partner gives him a a can like a soda can, the mm -hmm. animation of him getting the can and opening it. It is just really, really well animated. Yeah. Like, oh, that impressed me. That impressed me a lot. Uh, problem is, that is not that label. That's, that's, some, that's something for movie too. Uh, it, it feels straight up of um, Ghost in the Shell. But at that moment, I think the Ghost in the Shell crew, which is basically everyone who, everyone who was in Ghost in the Shell was in, in Bad Label, both movies, yeah. they really <laughs> shined at the investigation. Just the silence, the music, uh, the destruction, how things are very, uh, how everything is bound to an end. Like how they show you that through the investigation of the Hova's life and how every place he was, he's been is now being destructed to become something new. And a bunch of philosophy and shit going on. <laughs> yeah. What did you guys think of the the uh, the slow build and the crew figuring out what the crisis was gonna be? Like how the sh the movie opens up with a labor being shown going out of control without a pilot, and then it just b builds on that singular moment 
reaching a pinnacle on the arc where even even to the point where the crew was figuring out like what the conditions had to be met for this to uh <laughs> th- this crisis to occur for me uh i thought the beginning of the movie was a bit too slow like okay. it took me it sounds it, like an oshi thing <laughs> yeah it took me to like the middle middle point of the movie before i started getting properly interested in what was going on i was like i didn't I didn't, it felt it failed to capture me in, in a way. So I was kind of just saying, it's like, okay, I see. Like, some, there was there were some interesting bits, but ultimately there just wasn't enough to get me, I'm not even going to say excited, but like there wasn't, it lacked that, like, it lacked that pull power. It lacked something, uh, as somebody who has, a, who has a bit of a problem with like, I get distracted easily by sounds and stuff like that, other <laughs> things. So I kind of having that, having the movie lack that thing that like, Makes me want to watch it in the beginning. Made me kind of like I said, I was sitting there watching it, and I hear somebody walking. I'm like, "Who's that?" It's like, "All right, movie." <laughs> so, so, so I, I had quite a few moments of that uh, during the opening part. Where, so I just ended up like stopping the movie and go, uh, going, uh, taking a walk, and then coming back and keep watching. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I need, <laughs> I need to do something. So I, my fucking ADD don't. I don't have ADD, but like, so that my ADD tendencies don't kick in. Max gear. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's definitely something to to take note. Uh, not just with movie one, but with movie two. The mm-hmm. the large amount of scenes dedicated to what what I what I'm gonna dub as soft dialogue. Yeah, it's a lot of thinking moments. It'll, it's a lot of looking around. It's a lo- it's a lot of what has been previously said. Time to take in taking your surroundings. Like what's actually occurring on screen is in, is in a real time sense. Uh, that I could easily that could easily be uh, construed as boring moments, uh, bad pacing, um, uninteresting, uh, just action that or uh, uninteresting scenes being filled for for uh, for screen time. Um, I personally uh, think the opposite during things like that, but I can totally see where Tori like, like where you're coming from. It could take too long, or you, you get distracted easily by other things happening. Yeah, definitely. My problem with the beginning of the of the movie is not actually those scenes because I'm kind of like JD. I know why why they are there and I appreciate them. Uh, my problem was getting used to the characters again because the the personality they they kind of twinkle the the personalities a little bit, so kind of threw me off. For example, Shinohara is this lazy dude who really doesn't want to be a policeman. He was forced by his father to be one. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, he, he was just, trapped. He wants to solve, <laughs> like, he wants so bad to solve this case because he's worried about the pet labels they use in the police because he, he wants to be this good policeman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not Shinohara. This is not the guy I was watching through seven episodes of the OVA. So having these conflicts between how the, even uh, Noah... And I guess both of them are the most the, the ones who actually changed a lot. Goto didn't change because you don't see a lot of him in the OVAs, but in the movies you see a lot. So I guess yeah. Goto is the best character. He evolves. Goto evolves. Um, Shinohara and Noah, they just change. So it kind of threw me off a little bit because I had to delete the image I had in my head mm-hmm. from the OVAs. And soaking the new image the movies were giving me. Yeah, that's a very good point you make. Uh, how 
not all the characters change, but the ones that may stand out the most, they're they're tweaked just slightly enough for it to be a little bit jarring. What did you think uh, about like the character changes or or what have you become? Uh, I I enjoyed all the character changes. I think that they made it for a more focused plot in this movie. And mm-hmm. I, like as for the pacing, I I really was hooked from like the beginning of this movie. Just like the mystery of like what is making these labors go nuts. Like how are they going to deal with this? Uh, what like what is the worst case scenario? Is this like beach house? Which is the the crazy name for the Environmental Protection Agency terrorists? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like nudist bitch. I, I think the oh, yeah, o- maybe sorry. the only point where this movie ever like lost me for a second is where Noah and uh, Shinohara are out getting pizza and she starts cutting it with a, f- a knife and fork and I was like blasphemy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, you can't you can't eat pizza. Like but that. she she that's, did that's eat it with her hands. Thing. I guess like I guess they served it to her like unsliced. In, I don't. I, it was kind of weird. I was like, "Why is she cutting this and then eating it with her hands?" So I don't know. When I when I was living in when all I was this living philosophy in, in going Germany. on in the background, things going crazy, and all that gibberish of all sounds and shit, and like, why the fuck she's cutting the? <laughs> this the is my biggest problem with this movie. Is I don't how she understand what's going on in this thing. I was like, really, really. Well, being kind of funny, funny enough. Funny enough, uh, be it whenever I was uh, going to school in Germany or or doing internships in Romania or Greece or what have you, uh, I w- whenever I'd go to a pizza place, it would be served to me just one solid slice, and I'd have to cut it myself. Oh, interesting. No, I mean, usually... it's the same in like Rome. Like, you, if we get like a personal pizza, it's not sliced, right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. I, um, I don't have really I have a big problem with that. It was just a funny moment that Here took the... me out of things for a second. <laughs> Yeah, either the pizza comes comes in slices or in squares, but usually what people do mm-hmm. is they get this slice and they cut with a fork and a knife. Mm-hmm. Because here we don't like getting our hands uh, dirty greasy. with food. Yeah, so hands for example, greasy. you That's go to a you go you go eat a, eat a hamburger, people will get uh, napkins to hold the hamburger, for example. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. So it, it wasn't that jarring for me. <laughs> I guess you know. I was like I was I was worried with the labors going crazy and all the things going on with the Bible and the Shinto religion in the background and all. Not not much the pizza. I wasn't this paying is that much of attention. That's what kept it from at a from a ten out of ten for Becom. God damn, <laughs> cutting pizza with a knife and fork. Eat the pizza properly, you asshole. Yeah, without pineapples. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I'm supposed to be focused on how like Windows 95 is getting installed in these labors and it's destroying them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Oh man. Um. Yeah, no, I actually door. really thought like the build of, especially as Matsui's going around to the apartments and he's like, "Oh, every apartment we've seen has been facing like a skyscraper," and he doesn't say it, but like every apartment they've been in has this empty bird cage in it. And they, they finally track yeah. it all the way back to, like, his original, like, home. And they, they see, like, the writing on the wall. But, like, yeah, as they're putting it together and they have that great scene where, like, uh, Shinohara is over at um, the computer guy's house. Like, Shige, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. And, like, they network Shige. back to, like, their home, uh, like, network at the office. And, like, they do the simulation of, like, what if we added, like, what if it's wind speed? Like, and this is, it's funny because he figures this out at the pizza place. 
right? Where he's talking yeah. with Noah. <laughs> yeah, like, and she's she like, oh, I used to name clever. my dog like, Alphonse. This is another thing that threw me off. Shinohara <laughs> wasn't that clever. Suddenly, he's this awesome hacker that is just figuring out and <laughs> making simulations in a computer. Like, Shinohara, are you drunk or something? Why, Dude, why, it's, Jura- why it's why like Jurassic you, Park why all over being again. so awesome? <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic what, Park. What I thought really was funny is uh, they, so the the moment where they're where they're implementing this wind program. Mm-hmm. That's not how wind programs are connected through those computer simulations. That's how you you would get epicenters from earthquakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, makes so sense. So those are the things I was noticing. Like, oh, all right, suspend my disbelief. All right, it's just like the hacking scene in Jurassic Park. Well, yeah, that that's exactly how computers work. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it though. Figure, figuring out that like, oh, you would need like winds of forty meters per second to like you know to kickstart this whole resonance, and then they're like, uh, you only get that during a tsunami or whatever. Typhoon, typhoon or whatever and he like hell. opens the Wait newspaper. He's minute. like, oh shit, <laughs> that's tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like how everything kind of came together in, in goofy goofy moments like that. See, that's that's the pat labor feel to it all. Mm-hmm. That that I that I've come to enjoy in the series. That that's something that I took away from took from the OVA into the movies. That was the good the, the good points. Yeah. Um, I really like the last sequence on the arc. I love the action. I love all. I love how everything came together into this big culminating event. Uh, mm-hmm. Really filled out the movie well, and it, it really set a tone to what we saw in the second movie. So, uh, I wanted to ask, like, you guys to explain. So, there's a lot of bird imagery in this movie, mm-hmm. especially at in that climactic scene when Noah goes up to the auxiliary control room and in, they, they see, they think that, like, oh, maybe the ghost of Aichi Hoba is still up here, like, running things, even if he didn't jump to his death. Uh, but then when she gets there, it's just, like, a room filled with birds that he clearly took care of. Uh, and I was wondering what your guys take was on that because i was just like i don't know what this is trying to say (laughs) okay i know i actually know okay uh first of all when he jumped on uh by the way this is a little bit of the story the guy who made the the host os which is infected with the virus which is a trojan uh, (laughs) he thought the plane was so good that only if he, uh, the only flaw in the in the the plan was him being alive. So he killed himself. But after killing himself, he released a crow, which is the crow you see in the last scene. Mm-hmm. Now there's two things uh, in the in the movie. He, uh, they say he's very he was fascinated by the word Hova uh, because of his name mm-hmm. Ehova. But okay. also, if you take out the E, you have Hoba which yes. can be like very close to Noah and when you see like the circumstances of his suicide he was in the ark he threw away a bird and jumped mm-hmm. at the end the bird came back uh so like you have basically three explanations for that four four explanations to why the birds were there first one is the biological one there was a typhoon outside they they went there to take shelter yeah. that is mm-hmm. that is basically what happens uh, the second one is the is the Bible one. Uh, he threw the board away. He threw the crow away. Jumped. The crow went do whatever a crow does and came back. Smashed the window and came back, bringing uh, just like the pin- the pigeon uh, brought a a little tree uh, uh, 
stick just say like oh there's Len the the crawl br brought the the ID number uh, his yeah. ID so like this is the new Len he's showing the new Len the right. second one is Shinto uh, the Shinto religion uh, some some parts of the Shinto religion think uh, think that when someone someone's die and by the way this is gonna make Haibanerenme makes sense as well. Hmm. Uh, when some people die, they think that the the spirit of the the person gets reincarnated as a crow. That's why they say there's someone in the auxiliary room ah. on the top of the ark. Who is it? It says it's Ihoba. She goes there. There's a crow. Hmm. That's why it is ba basically it's, it's Shinto religion where Ihoba reincarnated as a crow. And he's it's making really cool. like he's proceeding with proceeding with the with the plane. The other thing is they also believe that if a crow look at you, uh, something bad will happen. And because of that, birds in Shinto religion are sometimes related to a bad omen. So when she looks like she, when she goes to the room and see a bunch of birds, including the crow, who which looks at her, this is the sign of a bad omen. Something bad will happen. That's why also in the second movie, uh, just going a little bit, when you have the blimps, the blimps have a bunch of birds around it. Not because the, the blimps are just uh, transmitting some wave frequencies we cannot listen, but also the bird flocks means bad omen. Interesting. So does yeah. it make sense now why there's a bunch of birds? That makes why, sense. Why, why Mamoru Oshii is so fascinated with birds. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, it's not the it, first time he's used the bird, bird imagery. Mm -hmm. No. No, I mean, yeah, if this didn't if this didn't start screaming Ghost in the Shell halfway through, it sure as shit should now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's why. Like, if you watch it, High Banner May, and there's crows, and they're like, "Don't look at the crows," and she goes, "But I think the, uh, the I think this crow is someone I I used to know." That's because of the Shinto religion that also takes part in Pat Label first movie. It is a very cool. Uh, yeah, and, thing and the, the use of the use of birds in that sense uh, isn't just. Shinto religions also in like Eastern Orthodox and a lot of like German folklore I remember reading in school uh, so it's 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 all it's all, it's a lot of imagery being used throughout <laughs> that makes way more sense than the connection I was making which was like Alfred Hitchcock's the birds <laughs> I was like oh these are some scary birds but no this makes a lot more sense <laughs> yeah I'm glad I'm glad it could help thank you there's also a lot of Bible stuff going on and yeah. quotes and songs. Welcome to Mamoroshi. Like, oh. Yeah, Mamoroshi. Mamoroshi, uh, please. This, time, he was, he this, was, this should so be good. bad label, not Ghost in the Shell. Please, <laughs> calm your teeth. Well, uh, Pat Labor's coming back, is it not? Is Isn't it? there going to be more Pat Labor? I don't know. <laughs> it's not Mamoroshi. I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, there is a wait. Hold on, or there was a reboot, a movie. I think there was a reboot movie in 2016. Yeah, there was a reboot movie. Yes. Huh? Didn't see that. Yeah, no, so, I'm not interested. Why don't we move on to wait? We need to score the mo the first movie. Okay. Uh, I scored it a solid eight. I am the Four. same. I also gave it an eight. Thought it was really, really solid movie. Me too. An eight. Wow. You guys, I give it a seven. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all about the same the same opinion then, mm -hmm. essentially. Almost. Almost, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. That's cool. Ghost in the Shell is seven as well. So 
Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> why don't we get on? Why don't we get on to the heavy hitter, which is to finish this up, the Pat Labor discussion, the the second movie, which came out in 1993. Uh, another production IG uh, studio uh, studio. Uh, no, it was production Reed this time, which I think is a Studio Dean. Offshoot um, of some sort. Offshoot? Is it not, guys? I'm not sure. I, studio Reed. Go ahead. Hold on. Just keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay, so uh, this takes place in 2002 now. So a few years have passed, and you autumn and you're immediately noticed uh, the character design changes, where they've they've all gotten older in in some form of of another. Uh, they they a lot of the characters look a lot more mature. Um, they're in May different positions now. Uh, our boy Ota, the insane person that he is, is now running us a, a training school. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was ridiculous! Make sure the, make sure the target is dead. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the best moment at the beginning is definitely when Ota's at the training school. The, the The students are asking him like, "What do you mean if the computer malfunctions?" He's like, "Look, you got to be prepared for if the computer malfunctions and your backup malfunctions. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to do this manually." He shoots the target, shows all, all off, and he goes, "No, this target's not down yet. You got to make sure it's dead." And he takes a knife out from the labor and stabs at the machine, gets in trouble like he always does. So again, just reiterates the fact how absolutely crazy this dude is. <laughs> now is he still employed? But that's not what the movie's about. It really, it really begins with showing this uh, this uh, production in Southeast Asia going on. It's a, like a military uh, happening with labors, and this this dude essentially gets into a firefight, and he's the only one left alive. Uh, and he, it gives him a sort of like Vietnam. I, I like to to see if it was a uh, a talking point about the Vietnam War in some way or another, uh, and how him being in this war situation changed his viewpoint on government and 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 life in general to how anything should be run and that kind of goes into the plot of the movie very much more mature oriented focus than anything we've seen in pat labor so it got even it got dialed up to uh, 11 here in that sense yes Hickey, yeah, Thoughts? Uh, i think satoshi kon was also of the production of this movie i was about to say sure like was. i'm watching the opening credits roll and i see like the people who did layouts and i see satoshi Kone's name and i was like my eyes just popped the, out of my head uh, for the a character second. design they're just out of perfect blue sometimes it's just too much to handle it's mamoru oshi and satoshi Kon doing the movie mm-hmm. that is that was just too much for my heart i was like oh no <laughs> five it's, minutes no, in, all that means it's and gonna see, be another and see the UN getting wrecked. Said. No. Dude, five minutes in and I see that scene I see the scene of UN getting wrecked I was like oh no I'm gonna like this shit oh shit I already like it it's two hours I'm, I'm five minutes in and this is already a nine well fuck <laughs> but yeah that the opening scene where I guess it, it kind of it is the redemption of the, the character even before you know what he's gonna do because like he's he's in this conflict, he's fighting for the UN as a Japanese soldier, and he's like, please let me shoot the character, like the the enemies, and UN is like, no, you need to wait the the, the reinforce to come. Do not shoot everyone behind, like everyone around him start dying, and he start shooting and shooting and shooting. He can do shit. He gets hit, and as he's going on like this war conflict, he goes out, he's injured, and he looks up, and there's a Buddha there. Which is like this symbol of peace. Mm-hmm. So I guess it is kind of 
kind of gives you a little of a redemption even before the the, the movie actually starts. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Tori, what what do you have any information on the uh, the studio DM uh, production read? Yeah, only that it's uh, at this point it was produ- uh, production Ashi. Uh, they changed their name to Production Read in uh, t- uh, 2003, I think it was. So, uh, or 2007, either or. But like, uh, I don't find any information on their on them having ties to uh, Production IG and looking at their show history, just giving it a quick, a quick glance. They don't seem to be tied into them, so I don't think so. So maybe it was just a helper studio at the time? Well, no, they were their own studio at the time. Hmm. They just don't seem to have any... Uh, I mean, they probably they obviously have connections with Production IG, but I don't think they're a subsidiary subsidiary studio of IG. Okay. So as I mentioned earlier in the, uh, I guess I mentioned in the OVA, uh, this one is built up to be a terrorist plot uh, throughout the uh, throughout Japan and how it affects the Japanese military and the government. Um, how bureaucracy works, a lot of red tape. You know, it's it's it, it has a lot of talking points behind it in these regards, uh, very much from start to finish. Um, oh yeah, a lot a lot more exposition uh, than what we've seen in past ones. It it because like if this to me was even more Ghost in the Shell uh, than movie one, just in the fact that it was just nonstop discussion points over deforestation military reliance global warming you know it just it just never ended throughout this war everything yeah uh i think it did a lot i think it did a great job in the dialogue and how it was written what i didn't was that what i wasn't quite a fan of was its use of of camera and keeping me engaged in those conversations because if i if i if i compare it to ghost in the shell it was a lot of different camera angles, different things to kind of pay attention to as the dialogue's going on. Um, in this, like the, the the scene that stands out to me the most, uh, that was the biggest offender. This was when they're in this uh, a patrol car and they're just talking about. Mm. I guess I you know it was uh, I believe it was the military reliance discussion, and it's yeah this this main dude, government dude talking to Goto, and they're just going back and forth, and the only camera angle you see is in essentially in the back seat looking at the back of the two characters' heads the whole time. Uh-huh. There are a lot of scenes in this movie that are just people talking in a car. <laughs> like, yeah. it is yeah. true. And, and it is a little, like, they may be discussing, like, really interesting philosophical points about, like, the government and, like, the interplay between, like, the police force and the military and what this terrorist action means. But, Man, are they sometimes extremely boring to watch because yeah. they are maybe, presented maybe in such a boring way. Maybe I'll be looking too much inside of the like inside of the matter. <laughs> but like the, the the Japanese Defense Force guy, he says that I like to talk about these things inside of a car mm-hmm. because you know then I can see the, the world passing through me and whatnot. Maybe and that is highly philosophical. Mm-hmm. Maybe because of that. Normally they would discuss that a lot inside of cars. Or they would discuss that standing in front of a river or mm-hmm. inside of a car parked in front of a river. So, like, you, even if the car is parked, they would see the river passing by. And that is kind of the idea of 
uh, everything is always changing, even the how how peace and war are made, how mm. war give, gives birth to peace and how peace gives birth, birth to war and all the things are kind of related on how they, uh, the locations they were talking. But the camera angles, like JD said, they don't help <laughs> because they are always the same. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I get, no, I totally camera, get the purpose to them camera, all. Yeah. yeah, I totally get the purpose to them all, but the, the presentation, I think, was very... Yeah, the presentation I, I think it bad. could have been done much, much better. <laughs> yeah. Or at least in a, in a, it presented in a more interesting way. Tori, uh, what's your what's your take on, on movie one? Or, I'm sorry, movie two. Uh, movie two... Like I get where you, I get where you're coming from, uh, and I to a certain extent agree. Um, however, I feel like when it came to actual discussion and subject matter and uh, how they kind of handled, you know, not not necessarily how they showed it, but how they handled the, uh, uh, like their their talks and whatnot, I was way more. I didn't have those same problems, those ADD kicks in this in this sense. Like <laughs> I was way more absorbed in their conversations for reasons <laughs> I, can't, I couldn't really i couldn't really pinpoint like why it sometimes works for me and why it sometimes does not <laughs> it just kind right. of seemed to like either i grab a hold of something and i'm like oh oh this is cool okay i'm interested or it's like ah oh, yeah okay now you lost me <laughs> so uh but yeah no i this for me was like just the movie where uh i felt like all the things that I liked about or the things that I liked the most about Pat Labor came to the forefront and the things that I liked the least went to the back the back <laughs> like comedy for example <laughs> comedy in this one took for lengthy portions of this movie took a heavy backseat there was not as much time to joke around with stuff or anything like that and that was kind of like for, for a second I thought I was or for a while I thought I was like is this going to be like a solely serious movie about Pat Labor is this why but it's like Okay, no, they had it. They crack a joke there and there and there, like, eventually. But it's like, it makes more sense. It felt like it wants to be... I feel like the entire movie wanted to be way more serious than it's ever been. Uh, oh, well, and, that's very clear. That's the yeah. direction that they wanted to. It also... It, the the whole purpose was also to conclude Pat Labor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... I really, I really liked the 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 subtle character design changes yet again. I liked how it felt a little bit more gritty. This I definitely saw a lot more uh, of the direction that Ghost Ghost what we saw in Ghost in the Shell down the line. Uh, future Oshi works. Uh, I thought the the mech design and detail uh, was as good as it ever has been. What I thought was even better was the use of the background art. Uh, mm. As as Hickey pointed out during the dialogue camera scenes and how it was, whether it be focusing on the river or even uh, there was a point where a blimp uh, was coming down with, with poison gas, how it would come to a slow, it, it almost like it looked like in, in a slow motion crawl on purpose to it coming in contact with the ground. You saw this panning out screenshot of the city itself and you could get a good sense of how it was going to be affected. Like this use of, of background art and animation technique, um, that's where the scenes in the movie shine the most to me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
I like when I just uh, when I look at the way this movie is visually just the absolute like this is what I'm talking about when it comes to like attention to detail. <laughs> this is where they find this is the movie where they actually got to just sit down and go like we can produce a pretty well animated piece all the way through. Yes, there are some still frames here and there still, but just sure, for sure. the most uh, for the most part the the animation when animation was employed there was I didn't really have a moment here where I felt that like oh that that looked way worse like this part looked way worse than this part even things like character acting and whatnot in this one was on a whole different level than it had been in previous yeah I didn't I didn't see much of that either this was another case where I was watching the dub as well (laughs) you disgust (laughs) which actually was much easier to uh to take in information because I wasn't reading the whole time. I was just listening and being engaged. Like It almost felt like a radio show at times. <laughs> well, you can listen and be engaged when they're talking in Japanese. <laughs> well, it doesn't help that I don't speak Japanese, so therefore I don't understand it. <laughs> but you can read it. I ask a question. Should this have been a Pat Labor movie? Like, this movie almost has <sighs> nothing to do with Pat Labor. As, ah, as we've seen that it. Is, it is good that you brought that up yeah i mean like uh <laughs> yeah. besides like sharing some characters i mean this this one obviously focuses much more on goto and nagumo like the most serious characters in the pat Labor franchise and like pushes like noah and shinohara to the background much more than they have been before oh big time um yep. and like only Tell in the, the climax of the movie do the pat Labors really ever get involved <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah I, I ask like that's why I'm asking, like, yeah, like, did this even have to be a Pat Labor movie? Or is this just no. really a political statement about Tokyo through the lens of Pat Labor loosely, you know? No, I'm 100% agreement with that. Uh, I believe Hickey and I are, are, share the same opinion that um, if you take the, the name Pat Labor out, then it's a standalone movie in its own little universe, you could say. Yeah. It could yeah, be that, definitely. which isn't bad or good. It's just an interesting observation, I think. But no, yeah. I agree. I I like that you brought that up because, like, I remember in the review I wrote for this, one of the things I said was like, I can to- I see this movie like very much splitting the Pat Labor fan base into. Mm-hmm. You will have the people that are absolutely absorbed with this movie, and you will have the people that go, "This isn't Pat Labor at all." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I I said that this movie is fantastic. I think it's, it, it's what I ever wanted. It's Mamoru Oshii and Satoshi Kon working together to make something. And it, it is very interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's not bad labor. It is simply not bad labor. Yeah. It is something on its own. And it's not a ghost in the shell spin-off like. It's not a perfect blue kind of scenario. It's mm-hmm. not bad labor. It is its own thing. It, it just grabs the name of the characters uh, because you cannot, you cannot even say it's the same characters. Noah changes a lot in the second movie, because you know they go look at the the pet level, like the Alphonse, and she's like, "Yeah, no, I, but I don't need, I don't need Alphonse anymore. I grew up. It, it, I, I just see them as a machine, mm-hmm. quite like, you know, she doesn't have this, uh, this thing about the pet labels anymore. And she even says that I don't want to be known as the chick who loves labels." So like she's a completely different character. Uh, the Shinobu, which is the chief of the first division, she wasn't that much of explored before. So mm-hmm. they are exploring her in the in the movie, 
So you cannot say it's the same character. Goto the same. The only person who actually looks the same is <laughs> Ota. <laughs> Ota never <laughs> changed. He didn't change. He's the only person like he's the he's the most bad label thing in the second movie. War never changes and Ota never changes. <laughs> and Ota never changes. It's like it, it is on its own. It's something on its own. You don't even. I don't even think you need to watch the other pet levels to watch movie two. Oh, no, not really. Not. No, absolutely not. I think. I think Pat Leopard two, the movie two, stands uh, stands on its own like they, incredibly well. Yeah, they, they are not <laughs> even. They are not even fighting labors. Yeah, like it's not crimes involving labors. It's straight up terrorism and mm-hmm. no, uh, political stuff and philosophy. It's and that's doesn't, why I doesn't love this have anything so to much. do with. <laughs> It's very. This yeah. is a very I, pensive have... thinking man's movie for sure. Yeah, but, yeah. I, it it had a it had a really good slow build in thinking to what was happening uh, to the inevitable uh, a team like crew getting back together moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a fun, <laughs> there's even two funny moments where I believe it was uh, Sheba. He's the guy with the uh, with the with the wife and kid, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shinshi. Yeah. Shinshi. Oh Shinji, yeah, Shinji's oh, the guy with yeah. that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's his go. wife's like his wife's dramatically like on the ground. No, honey, don't go. Husband, come back. Then he, she she even like threatens him. I'm pregnant again, and he's like, Oh my god, I have to now question <laughs> yeah, my like, choices. Oh my god, and then what the dude, should I do? And the what should I do? And then the dudes the just like, open the door and late. steal him away. And she's like, Husband, killer, kidnappers, come back, bring him back alive. And then it cuts to Ota, and he's just in this like meditation position in the dark in the back of his room, going, "What took you so long?" <laughs> 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 and then that, as soon as it gets through all that, then the movie just goes insane. I believe Tori, I uh, I said in the chat yesterday, like shit is going down. Oh yeah, like oh, not sure. just terrorism; it's government terror. It's government political Dude, shit. Uh, people I are fu- dying. I love that part when the fucking government starts, you know, like, like you pretty much just expect when it comes to politics, when it's just like, we need to stop the terrorists and the government's just like, yes, but it needs to be done on our terms and everyone needs to agree. It's like, no, but we don't have time. We need to go stop them. It's like, oh, fuck it. We're employing a military on you to stop you. You don't get to act without permission. It's like, oh, shit. (laughs) Fucking tensions rising, boys. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm sure that's like the commentary that the movie is trying to make about like government oh, yeah. and bureaucracy and like how the state of their peace that they are enjoying is not as peaceful as you might think it is, really. Like, I mean, in, they say right. that directly so many times yeah. in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, uh, if I'm to compare it to movie in how well I believe movie one built and culminated into this epic last sequence of events. Movie two did it just as well, if not better, because the story had more philosophical points and, and values to it. Yeah, yeah, and you see how why Goto is is called Razor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How sharp he can be. Yeah, e- even even moments where uh, Goto was shiny, he's like, "This is the last moment. You guys uh, will take orders from me." Uh, kind of speech, and you know, if anyone wants to back out now, do, you know, do it as you do it right now as in this certain opportunity, I was like, ah, whatever, let's just, let's just put our helmets on and go kick some ass kind of moment. Because <laughs> it, it, it felt very much 80s and early 90s in that sense. Yeah. Uh, also, just a little... I don't know, uh, it's funny, they, they put clothing on the bed. <laughs> they could have just painted it 
but instead they put <laughs> military clothes on it. I thought I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a funny little uh, little side thing as well. I just noticed. Uh, Pat Labor movie. Since we talked about how how good it looks, Pat Labor movie two also won the 1993 Mai Film Award for animation. As deserved. Go. I mean, yeah. God, there there are some like so long before I ever saw Pat Labor. Uh, some of the clips of like the Pat Labors and like the first scenes of this movie, like just like inside the cockpit and like the the cameras like moving around and all of that, are things that I saw like that got me into wanting to watch anime because I was like, wow, this is some of the most impressive animation I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's just uh, incredible technical animation. Oh yeah, that's insane. That's like me with fucking general right now. I've seen so many scenes from that, and I'm like, that looks so goddamn good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it's so the second movie gets all gets a complete winner's book in our circle. Yep. I I do not yeah. think it is quite as well paced as the first movie. Um, I I would agree actually. But, but that is like my main okay. issue with it. But yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I really liked it. I don't see. I'm so torn though. With is it a pacing issue or is it the fact that their expositions are used the way they are, which we discussed earlier. It only, it feels to me like an old bit. school film noir, like especially with like uh, the way that they uh, they dulled the character designs, like so they're even paler faced. It's like just mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. you know the shadows on their faces even darker, uh, and it is this like slow, pensive like building. Much of the thriller. entire movie takes place at night. Yeah, exactly. Sure yeah. does. Yeah. Uh, so they're definitely going for that film noir feel with this. Mm-hmm. And I love it. <laughs> so are we ready to uh ready to score it or anybody have final thoughts over the second movie uh well let me ask what do you guys think about the relationship between uh nagumo who is like the first division captain and like suge like the actual mastermind behind all of this and how that all played out because uh. like she plays a big part in like the uh the wrap-up of the movie there i think it's more of a plot device yeah with the epic shotgun at the at at his hell at his at his pointed at his head yeah cuffing him like caressing his hand and then cuffing him i would agree it feels like a like it's one of those things was like i i get what they're doing Mm -hmm. like obviously she is the least one of the least explored characters so they're trying to give her like she wants to they want her to have a way more like front uh front seat in this one and then you know just to kind of have her completely tied up into everything and i do understand like it adds a bit of drama it's like can she actually arrest this man or will she leave will she blow him away with the shotgun yeah that was she obviously never gonna happen but yeah. or something <laughs> well double nah. suicide double suicide was a a concern at least goto says no, like don't go don't go down with him don't no, I know, that's him. not that. I meant, like, bl- him blowing him away with a shotgun. Like, that was obviously never going to happen. <laughs> Clearly the answer should have it been to send in Ota. <laughs> I mean... Nothing <laughs> wrong would have happened there. He would have he just complained. And it's just like, you should have given me a bigger gun. <laughs> I only blew away half his body. <laughs> Give me yeah, a cannon. I think... <laughs> Give me the experimental bullets. Device, honestly. <laughs> Because when you have a scene with the detective, the guy in the first movie who was going through the locations Ehova lived, and he he went to this bl- the blimpy comp- the blimp company, and he he was talking to Goto, and Goto was like, 
how did you how did you manage to to find all this? And he's like, well, there's two ways you find stuff. I'm not good with women, so I follow the money. And when when Shinobu finds uh, Shige the first time he's in the boat, the defense force guy phones then arrest Shige, quote unquote, arrest him, and goes, uh, "You should always follow the woman." Yeah. So like at at this point, like she she's more of a plot device. Uh, the relationship adds adds the drama. It was a good way to disguise the fact she's a plot device. Mm. Okay, Only yeah, that. I agree. <laughs> well, okay, uh, I'll go first this time around. Uh, I think my main issues lied with the uh, exposi- the 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 entertainment choices of of exposition, how they were presented. Uh, I think the philosophical values, um, I wouldn't say it's an issue at all. I think it added to the movie. It added to the plot. Uh, what it took away from was making this feel like pat labor. As we said earlier, if you take the word pat labor out of this, you might not even know it was ever a pat labor movie. Uh, so I'm giving it the same score as movie one in eight out of ten. Okay. Uh, let's see. For me, I mean, I've already said this multiple times. For me, this is my favorite Pat Liber movie. This just gave me so much more than any of the previous installments. Installments. Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed myself thoroughly, even through like the the boring, quote unquote, boring exposition of just st- not even such of like camera placement, just looking at the back of their heads in the cars. Like there was even then there wasn't really anything that took me out of the experience weirdly enough um so for me i was just massively absorbed in this movie and by the end i uh i enjoyed myself a lot mm-hmm. uh like i said yes i do wish some things were done differently yes i do wish that Shinobu was less of a uh less plot of a plot device, device yeah. and stuff like that i do also agree with the fact that like there are certain elements I feel they could have done. I'm not I'm not just sticking with it needs to be more exciting or more entertaining when it comes to like exposition, but it's like I do get that's like you could have at the very least have had you know two or three camera angles in that scene and not scene and not just one. Uh, so you know ultimately I fall on an eight, but I very much enjoyed this movie. Hmm. Uh, well. I guess the the problem of this movie really lies in the exposition. Okay. Um, yeah, I think the the first movie has a lot of exposition as well, and as a, as well the philosophy and whatnot. But it is more straightforward. Uh, in Battle Label Two, the you have a little bit of exposition, and you know you have the problems of the camera angle. It doesn't variate. It is always this. It is always the same tone. Uh, but then you. It, it, always, it always ends up with a question. Then you have a sequence of action or something or an encounter between characters. And that raises up another philosophical question. They go and answer it. So it's more in, indirect and breaking, uh, broken. Mm-hmm. But also they, they try to do that with not only one thing as they did in the first movie, but with several things. So they're always variating what they're talking about. And that kind of, uh, this, I guess, uh, the, 
the fact that there's not a, a focus until the very end where everything comes together to the end of, of what is peace, what is war, kind of takes away you whiling to pay attention to the movie. Uh, also, the fact it is not pet label, I guess. But still, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy everyone who worked in the movie. I enjoyed the movie and I didn't enjoy as part of pet label. I enjoyed as a Mamoru Oshii work. That's why I gave it a nine. Because I really, really enjoy the show. I really, really enjoy the movie. Yeah. All right, Beacon. Uh, for me, um, like, I guess I would just compare the first two movies together. And like for on that basis, like this one didn't work quite as well for me, but it did, it did some things a lot better. Like the animation was incredible, uh, mm -hmm. like even better than the first movie. But like, I, I just have to say that like, I don't know, like things combining the fact that there are all of these like pensive uh, uh, scenes of exposition and just talking and philosophizing combining that with the fact that like the music is so minimalistic in the background as well and then like the yep. dynamic camera is just lacking um i wish that they could have paced this a little bit differently or maybe had some of this exposition shown to us through uh some more set pieces uh of some sort involving the pat labor cast um so yeah like i think there's, there's some shortcomings of this movie and for that reason i'm gonna give it a seven Whereas I gave the first movie an eight, even though I do find this movie really thought provoking and interesting, I think as a movie, it doesn't function quite as well, but yeah. That's fair enough. Okay. Well, it seems like Pat Labor as a whole, uh, we all enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. No, I lied. Yeah. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a one. I lied the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. He had he had the uh, the finger pyramid list. of deception already the whole time. <laughs> no, this was great to watch. It was it was a really like thought provoking series, and it was really interesting to see how it evolved from the OVAs to movie one to movie two, and then after movie two, he goes like right into Ghost in the Shell, and that is really an interesting thing to see, like how everything evolved over this period of time for him as a director. Yeah, and Angel's Egg, I believe, was one of his first works. <laughs> yeah. Angel's oh, Egg, wow. He goes from no dialogue to nonstop dialogue. <laughs> Dude. I, when are we talking about Angel's Egg? <laughs> I need to know. You yeah, don't talk about not, Angel's Egg, you just look at it. No, you Egg. need to talk about it. What are you talking about? There's, there's no, no amount of talking. talking about Angel's Egg. We're just gonna, we're gonna stay here until tomorrow, so, you know, <laughs> let's save it for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! All right. Well, Becom, why don't you uh, throw in some last, uh, last latch ditch plugs, and then we can uh, we can slowly get our way out of here. Well, uh, I just want to thank you guys again for having me on the podcast. It was really fun to hang out, and because of the way my podcast is set up, like I don't get a chance to watch as many old, really good anime <laughs> as I want. Um, but yeah, if you want to stay up to date with like the current season's anime and the uh, the best. Um, by our measure our, our metrics <laughs> um yeah just come check out the uh, nerdum and other nonsense uh, anime podcasts as i said before it's on itunes google play any of your podcast feeds uh and on youtube and you can find us on twitter at nerdum and other uh and we'd be happy to have you well alrighty. uh this has been the redleaf retrocast episode 23 of 
Mobile Police, Pat Labor, the original OVA series, movie one and movie two. You can find the Red Leaf Retrocast at iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and many more, including now live streaming episodes on Twitch, Mixer, at BowlingJD, and you can find every past episode via Podbean, uh, iTunes as well, and our YouTube page. My personal YouTube page is where everything's posted, uh, at Moosenspiel. That's an old, old one. Don't worry about the name. <laughs> And uh, hopefully you can join us all on Twitter and join in on conversations. Uh, Tori, where can we find you on Twitter and Hickey, you yourself? Uh, you can find me at uh, the Tor Extra Prox. With a strange name, I know. I'm looking to change it at some point. I just need to not get lazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can find me at Mighty Hickey. That is basically the, the name I use most of the time. Aside from Ridman, uh, that is another thing. All right, and if you and, and if you enjoyed this uh, episode of the Anime Cast, the Worldwide Weebs have presented you, uh, and you're interested in other things that uh, we put out, we also put out a retro gaming uh, episode section, a wrestling section, and a modern gaming section, with actually with actually just came out uh, this week upon the ep- this episode's release. So please tune in. We uh, we are always looking for future thoughts, not just hate mail from our Sailor Moon episode. <laughs> <laughs> we still haven't uh, done that. Still haven't put together all the hate mail. Maybe we'll, maybe I'll get to that in the next one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, and look forward to the next episode. Peace. See ya. Bye.